Here's a fun question for you guys regarding social encounters with dragons. Which dragon, in your opinion, is the most extroverted and which one is the most introverted? Perhaps you're the you're the queen of dragons. What's uh mm-hmm. um I would say brass for extroverted. Like that's yeah. <laughs> but I identify most with the brass dragon and I'm an extreme extrovert, so that might be why. <laughs> I I would agree with that. I would mm-hmm. almost venture on the side of a black dragon too in the sense of they, they do want to torture them and kill them but they still mm-hmm. like people yeah, yeah no you know what i'm gonna say look brass is absolutely the right answer for going out and being social mm-hmm. red dragons have no reason to hold back they want you to worship them and they want to bask they want you to bask in their own glory they're going to be in the middle of town square saying on your knees and that's pretty extroverted um or perverted one or the other um, for introverted, I would say green. You're never going to see a green dragon. They're going to do everything from the shadows. Yeah, I was thinking white. Like white's just like up there hunting and doing. Yeah, their they're own not. Thing. They're not interested in socializing at all. Yeah, they're not really looking for conversation. They're just going to eat you. I'm going to flip that on its head. I would. I would almost say gold dragon. I would because thinking, they yeah. don't want to see people. They understand that they are the king of dragons. They are the top. But great, you see me. I'll get out. Bronze uh, too. Bronze. They like specifically go through a lot of things to keep their layers hidden, and so people can't get to them. Like they don't want you anywhere near their area. Honestly, I think moving forward, we're gonna have different answers by the time that we're done all the different gem dragons, mm-hmm. uh, which is exciting. Um, I would also say that uh, perhaps a Dracolich might be uh, fairly introverted. <laughs> I think you're right there. <laughs> Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another It's a Mimic episode, where we continue our conversation on dragons in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I'm Pepperina, and with me are Adam and Tyler. And this episode is called Crystal Dragons Radiating Scintillating Personalities. In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of dungeon masters is going to look at the very first of the much beloved gem dragons, the crystal dragon. How does it stack up against its metallic and chromatic cousins? What tactics will it likely rely on besides flying up and dropping people from great heights? And what exactly does a chaotic neutral dragon look like? Before we go any further into this multi-episode discussion on dragons, I want to ask you guys, do you really feel that we were missing gem dragons or just neutral dragons at all? Would you rather have had more metallic and chromatic dragons to flesh out, you know, the forces of good and evil? Or, like, did we really fucking need this? Let's uh, roll initiative. I want to hear your thoughts. I got a three. I got a two. Oh, so I'm first. Um, I... I'm so far loving the gym dragons before I knew they were a thing. I actually painted a Ruby dragon just because I was tired of painting the metallic and chromatic. I had three of each of them. And I was like, I need a new kind of dragon (laughs) to paint. And I want a sparkly one. So I painted a Ruby one, not knowing that these were even a thing yet. Uh, So I am thrilled to dive deeper into these. And I love the idea of neutral dragons that, not everything in life is good or evil. I like that we're having a medium ground. 
Well, your last name is literally Sparkle Gem, so I'm That's not true. talking That's about true. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> um, uh, I like these guys to flesh out the alignment chart. Um, gem dragons to me always seem like an afterthought. I always, I, I want the brown dragons and the gray dragons. I want the cobalt dragons and the steel dragons. And I missed that stuff in previous editions. Um, gem dragons were in previous editions too, but I never really played with them. I, although man, I really liked what Matt Coville brought to the table in his, uh, strongholds and followers book about gem dragons. These ones are neat too, and I love what Fizzbands says about them, but I don't know. Where's my purple dragon? And I, I need my purple dragon. You got your purple dragon knight? No, I do not. <laughs> um, When I think about the idea of these crystal dragons, I don't really think of where on the alignment chart they are. Rather, I'm just happy for more dragon options and the flavor that they can bring. They're not just another metallic dragon or another chromatic dragon. It's a completely different kind of dragon. You can choose what you want to do with it with an alignment, but I just like more options. And it's not overly an amount of options, but it's still fun and flavorful. Okay, well, before we get any deeper into this, let's cut to an ad break. We've previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on dragons in 5th edition. For all those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. If you'd like to support us, you can donate through the website, check out our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you'd like to pay for some ad space on It's a Mimic, or just send a shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. Before we get into what the new releases are going to be on Patreon this week, I first want to just say thank you to Robert Carey, who is our latest Patreon subscriber. Once again, for the third week in a row, we are going to be releasing two episodes on the Patreon. Uh, we're just really excited about it being our launch month and seeing the faces over there and talking to people in the Discord. And so there's this great big push right at the beginning to get a lot of content there for, uh, for new subscribers. And one of the things that I'm most excited about is a short little series that I'm going to be working into the rotation uh, over the next four cycles. And it's going to be called the False Hydra series. Now, for those of you who don't know, the False Hydra is almost a meme. It is a original piece that has been posted online. Uh, and a lot of people talk about it. It's all about memory kerfuckery and uh, how to include that in Dungeons and Dragons. It's a really neat, really creepy monster. And uh, I used it in my game recently and absolutely baffled and murdered my party. So I'll be breaking it down over a few episodes, what I liked, what I didn't like, what I changed, what I learned, and uh, how it all ended up going completely wrong for almost everybody by the end. The first episode is on Thursday, and on Friday, I will continue to explore the Legend Lore Online series where I'm ripping into the different online Wizards of the Coast products, uh, including Return to the Glory, Domains of Delight, and Minsk and Boo's Journal of Villainy. So don't forget to subscribe, but for now, let's get back to the show. So 
So to start us off with the crystal dragons, uh, first I will read the Fizzbin's quotes, and those are one of my favorite parts of this book. We get two with the crystal dragons. The first one is, starlight is measured in emotions rather than quantifiable units. Although crystal dragons would argue that emotions actually are quantifiable units. So I don't really know what my point is. And then the second one is I had a crystal dragon read my fortune once. A lot of cod swallop and poppycock to be sure, except for the part where he said I'd forget what he told me. That was impressively accurate. I love the idea of um, measuring starlight by emotions. I think that's like a really beautiful way to look at the night sky. So I really, really liked that quote in particular. It's interesting to me that Fizban seems like a doddering idiot in half of his stuff and like weirdly insightful in the other half, which uh-huh. is just perfect for an old wizard, right? Like I really like that flavor for him, but it also means that shit like this is not entirely helpful. It's pretty, <laughs> but it's not helpful. <laughs> Um, so it's like, true. It's not that helpful, but it's uh-huh. still fun to read. Mm-hmm. Yes, and look, if if Tash has taught us anything, it's that these little blurbs are the best flavor in the book, right? So agreed. I quite like it. I, I have I have some insight into why Starlight is measured in emotion, but I think I think you're going to get into it a little bit here. I might jump in perhaps with the, some old school previous edition knowledge. Okay, so. Crystal dragons actually go through a few changes as they age with how they look. Um, As wormlings, they're a dull gray with a few white or crystal clear points. And this is great camouflage, um, letting them blend into rocky and snowy areas in case of danger. The gray scales turn white as they age and eventually turn transparent. The older they get, the more clarity their scales have, eventually being able to bend and refract light, making them difficult to see. Now, if their scales are transparent, do you see their organs? Do you see their skeleton? Or is it just, it just says their scales. So that was the question I had. (laughs) I think what it's doing is it's refracting the Mm -hmm. light. Is It's not so much you're seeing through them as much as you're refracting what you're seeing they've got a bunch of different uh dark side of the moon covers all over their bodies oh yeah um but uh it's not you're not gonna see the skeleton you're going to see the skin underneath the scales right Mm -hmm. um and the skin according to the cover art because that is a crystal dragon on the front i believe yes um, i thought so yeah uh like you you can see the fleshy undertones um i wish that the art was slightly more bombastic so that you could see these the scintillating aspect of of the refraction um in the crystals but yeah they just look kind of like vaguely pink and and a little bit sparkly so Mm -hmm. yes pepperina i think you specifically are a crystal dragon now yeah (laughs) i read some of this to my husband and he was like that's you So they are essentially beaming with radiant energy from the positive plane, giving them a glow of starlight between their bodies and the spines and horns that just seem to hover above them. Their horns are sort of like mood rings as they change based on the dragon's mood. They might stand up when angry, lay back when afraid, or sway side to side when happy or excited. I see this a lot like your dog's tail. Yeah, you know, like they get excited and their horns just start wagging back and forth. 
Okay, so I wanted to talk for a second about the positive plane. Um, do you guys know what the positive plane is? Because it's really, really vague in fifth edition, and a lot of people may not know. I do not. This was my first time reading that. Um, doing when I was research. thinking of the positive plane, I just kind of thought of the upper planes, but not quite. Yeah, so I often, I used to think about it like it was a Feywild because it was all linked to emotion and whatnot. And the idea is that the positive plane and the negative plane are not actually planes that you can go to. Like, there's places, but there's not, it's, it, there's not a there there. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's this just overwhelming um, energy um, in, this, in this kind of void. You cannot go visit them. The idea is that all magic and all life and all death um, pull from these two planes. Now, it's a little murky as to which spells do what, but clearly Radiant comes from positive, um, and everything life and healing related comes from positive, whereas um, necrotic and things like disintegrate and uh, anti-magic and stuff comes from the negative plane. So the negative plane is not necessarily dark and the positive plane is not necessarily light, but if you had to manifest that energy, that's that's what it would would be. So so does cure wounds come from the negative plane then? Cure wounds would come from the positive plane because it cures wounds, but inflict wounds would come from the negative plane, right? Because it destroys matter. So that's the the idea here is that the positive is life and radiance and the negative is death and necrosis it's a weird way of looking at it especially when we have the feywild and the shadowfell right there but it's it's old school that comes back from i think ad and d um and there's been a lot of weird rules across the editions about how to interact with them like for example you cannot pull this energy from these planes without giving something in return which is what spell components are and why they get used up they're actually getting transported to the other plane to either the positive or the negative and then they get converted to more energy um, to be used in future spells uh, and when it is your somatic components it's actually using the breath that you're using it's um that air gets transported like okay 3.5 needs to calm down because it's getting too weird and noodly for shit that doesn't need to. <laughs> um, but that's kind of the idea behind this stuff. And again, we're getting it kind of bleed into 5e without any real explanation. And it drives me up the wall that is just kind of left open to your interpretation and how well you can Google things. Okay, rant over. All right. <laughs> All right so... Though they tend to live in the most remote and cold areas, they are considered to be the nicest of dragon kind. I'd say even nicer than brass dragons. They are basically the definition of light. Their psionic abilities connect them to the positive plane, giving them radiant energy that shines through not only in looks and powers, but also personality, making them very kind, nurturing, and optimistic. With such nurturing personalities, they have been known to take in abandoned eggs and wormlings of other dragons and raise them as their own. It is very common to see a crystal dragon raising a white dragon in a kind and caring environment. However, they do strongly dislike destructive forces in their territories, and this can lead to even frost giants and white dragons to set aside their differences and team up to hunt crystal dragons. All of this is giving me more good than neutral. Um, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. 
<laughs> like everything I'm reading, I know they're technically neutral, but like they don't feel very neutral. <laughs> well, the thing about the white dragon feels neutral to me because they're not necessarily raising a white dragon to be good. They're just mm-hmm. being nurturing. Oh, you got such a good kill today. Next time, try ripping the lungs out first, right? <laughs> like it's it's almost like it's, it's life. They're not purposely doing it to be evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing it in the sense of that's life. It's life. Yeah, there's a lot of like what is interesting to it right now, and I don't think that they have ADHD. I just think that they could be interested by a bunch by like a very specific thing for a very long time. Um, but it could be anything. It could be mm-hmm. literally anything. Um, well, their base hyperfocus is <laughs> starlight and um, searching the stars. They spend a lot of their time analyzing the stars and they record their findings and keep track of any signs they might see in the night sky, interpreting these into omens. And they will eagerly give a reading to any friendly creature who might seek them out, helping to give them a glimpse into their future. All right. So this is another weird holdover as well from the psionics of gem dragons is the idea that they are they interact with the world in a more intuitive nature than other dragons do. Mm-hmm. Whereas the chromatic dragons are very much focused on power and the um like in the mortal realms and the um, metallic dragons are almost focused more on morality these guys are focused on the idea of time and the future and reality and like kind of these broad philosophical ideas um and uh and we're starting to see that bleed through a little bit again without it getting a real specific focus or call out so the idea that they're looking for the glimpse of the future in the night sky they're looking for omens and whatnot yeah, that's that's kind of their whole freaking deal. And yeah. whereas the other ones will try to find answers to the universe in other places. These guys are looking at the twinkly bits above. Mm-hmm. Right? I think another this kind of what makes them that chaotic neutral side. Yes, I think that if they if you could convince ah oh, that's really cool. If you could convince them uh, that the the stars are doing something else. If you have a diviner or a druid uh, circle of the stars or something that can convince them, you might be able to change their path, which is which is kind of fun. Yeah, I kind of get the idea with these guys that they can be swayed one way or the other if they're convinced that this is what the stars are telling you or this is the way things are going because they're not so concerned about the material things. They are, as you said, they're concerned about stars. They're concerned about things not of the mortal realm, essentially. It is also worth pointing out that they do prefer life, and that's because they're connected to the positive plane, right? Which is why they don't like frost giants and white dragons that are destructive. So it does kind of put them at odds um, with the evil, quote-unquote evil creatures, but it's not out of a place of morality. It's about, guys, 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 why are we fighting? He's a hippie dragon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These are your, like, yoga instructors and <laughs> your, your psychics and star chart readers. They're, um, they're your life coaches. And, yeah. Um, they're, not a, they're not a full-blown therapist, but they're a counselor. They're a counselor, yeah. Well, the the therapist was the Moonstone Dragon. So <laughs> let's sit, let's sit down and talk about this. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> tell me, I'm listening. Um, so that 
brings us into creating a crystal dragon and giving them their own unique personalities and ideas. Um, we, like usual, get a D8 table on personality traits, and I've picked out two of those. Are you comfortable? Can I tell you your future? Just let me know what you, what I can do for you, okay? So that's very much what we were just saying. <laughs> like, that's very much one of their personalities. And the other one is all play and no work. Those are the words I live by. Oh, you know what would be a really cool reflavor? Madam Eva is a polymorphed crystal dragon mm -hmm. from Curse of Strahd, yeah. Ooh, I very much fun. remembered that as I was reading through these and the like tarot cards and stuff that she gives you and uh, that sets off your your whole campaign. Like, the it's Taraka very much deck. sort of the vibe. The Taraka deck has four suits, like an average tarot deck. I think one of them is stars, isn't it? One of the suits? Know. I'm not sure. It's staves and swords and cups. Oh, I don't remember now. Let's just say yes. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds good to me. <laughs> okay, so um, then we get a D6 table for their ideas. And I picked out three on this. Uh, first, empathy. It's a gift to share in another's joy, even if sometimes you must bear their pain too. And that is considered good control everyone is welcome as long as they follow my rules and that is considered lawful and determinism our destinies may already be written but the way we achieve them still matters and that is considered any alignment i picked those because they are typically chaotic neutral but this shows also a good and lawful version so you don't necessarily have to go with um, the, the chaotic neutral, you can sort of flavor them in different ways. And I like that it gives us those options in the book. For their spells, with wormlings at will, they can cast dancing light and guidance. At young, once per day each, they can get hypnotic pattern and lesser restoration. At adult, they add command and divination to that. And at ancient, their lesser restoration goes to greater restoration and they get invisibility. That's great. It's worth Which, pointing out that for adult and ancient, they don't get one a day each, do they? They just get like one of these once per day. Um, I'm not sure. I would have to I think it is actually, no, blocks. it says one day each so that they can cast each one of these. Yeah, I once believe per day. so. For adventure hooks in um, our tables, I have a crystal dragon invites the greatest bards and philosophers to partake in the great dialogue and the dragon's mountaintop lair. But only the dragon knows that the great dialogue has no end and no one can leave the lair once it has begun. And a crystal dragon seeks bold adventurers to steal an egg from an ancient white dragon who is infamous for abject cruelty and utter remorselessness. I like that one. Yeah, I think that ties in a lot with the lore of them, um, raising other dragons' eggs and that. Um, it very much, And that would be like a great campaign or one shot, you know, for your players. Like you have to go steal this egg from an ancient white dragon. And good luck. Good luck. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> And then I really like the first one too, as the great dialogue and, you know, nobody knows they can't leave once it's started. I love that. Mm -hmm. Especially because I, 
I I think we kind of skimmed over. These guys live in the Arctic regions, right? Like, mm-hmm. how many days of provisions do you have? If that great dialogue lasts three weeks, are you going to die? If you're not allowed to leave the frigid mountaintop, are you going to die? Well, it says it has no end. So it's not three weeks. It's until everybody dies, I guess. Or they live at radiant power. So could they just keep bringing you back? Does this literally go on until the dragon dies? Oh, good Lord. That's a long, long story. Maybe the great dialogue has no end, but it's like, like, and and that's enough for uh, this chapter of the great dialogue. Are you going to come back next month to hear what happens next? I also think when I hear dialogue, I don't think just one person talking. Oh, I'm yeah. almost thinking he is getting them to talk as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just oh. him. It's they get into conversation. And yeah. it's, that's what's keeping them there is this wanting to put the two cents in. I want to talk. I want to talk to this white. I want to talk to this crystal dragon. And it's the back and forth. It's not just everyone sit down on a, a comfy cushion and listen to story time. No, it's the talking back and forth. Yeah, it's the greatest bards and philosophers, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like this is this is more of like it's the great dialogue because they're trying to get down. Again, this is the, the, the long view that they have, that gem dragons have. They're trying to figure out the truth of the universe through the lore and stories that bards know and what philosophies exist out there. Can we find the truth of the universe? Um, and... I think that, I mean, I'm thinking back to ancient Greece and Rome when philosophy was actually like a, a thing you can do. It was a job. They would sit around and they would talk and argue and then they would go away and they would percolate for a bit. And then they would come back with a new perspective on it, right? So I think the great dialogue is the conversation that never ends, but it's not like an end moot where they sit in a circle and just just babble very slowly. Like that, it, It's not this one meeting it's the ongoing conversation, much like it's a mimic where the conversation circles back every seven weeks. <laughs> I My- don't actually see the dragon talking at all in it. I see them just like sitting there taking notes and then like bringing people refreshments and making sure everyone's okay. <laughs> they're their mediator. They're handing That's a really good point. They're <laughs> handing the talking it down. stick from yeah. one person to another. Yeah, they're My- not in the conversation. They're just <laughs> controlling it. Going from a standpoint of when you mentioned food, do they have enough food? Is there enough food there? What in the D and D realm of things? What happens when you don't eat food? Do you take levels of exhaustion? Yeah, um, yes, it gets into it in the rest mechanics, um, where you exactly. do, you do need to um, eat and sleep uh, every day, or you take you start getting levels of exhaustion. So after six days, you're dead. Exactly. And what's one of the spells that the ancient dragon has? Greater restoration. And what's one thing that that can do is take away levels of exhaustion. (laughs) See, they're just keeping you going. Like, you're not any less hungry. Yeah, I think that he has refreshments, though. Like, I think think the dragon is passing out refreshments. Do you want ice-cold water? Yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine... Can you imagine, because like once once a day, so he's got this guy who's not eating and they're sitting there having a conversation and this guy's getting levels of exhaustion. Every once in a like once a day, he loses that level of exhaustion, but he's not getting nourished. He's just slowly becoming a skeleton, but he's not dying. Like that's dark. 
And I, and I don't think the crystal dragon gives a shit because as long as the, the conversation keeps going. Yeah. Because, hey, what is one person's discomfort in the face of solving all the problems of the universe and understanding everything? That would be a great NPC. <laughs> oh, man. Like you are going, you got to go rescue. They like the plot hook is you got to go rescue this NPC from a white dragon, but turns out it's not a white dragon, it's a crystal dragon. And this guy who's been gone for like three weeks is just an emaciated, barely able to to move under their own free will. Uh, like four levels of exhaustion when you meet them. Um, and uh, and the crystal dragon's like, oh hey, are you coming to join the conversation? And remember, they they can cast this once a day. Mm-hmm. So like, not everybody's getting healed. Nope. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into their layers and what those look like. Um, these dragons have really interesting layers for a couple of reasons. They're typically in the coldest and most remote areas, but they spend their lives crafting them into perfection, primarily made of ice and snow. These layers often resemble lavish castles high on mountaintops. They often have several balconies and tall spires, perfect for gazing at the starlight in the night sky. Crystal dragons will fuse crystals and other rare materials into certain areas, essentially making their horde part of the lair itself. While they don't get many visitors, mostly because it's in such a cold and hard to reach area, they do tend to create things like bridges uh, that make it easy to access their layers for anyone who might be looking for them. We do get a map for this one and it gives us three different spires, an anterior, a grand, and a central. Uh, These are used for a parlor, a sanctuary, a treasure room, different areas like that. And we also get a large ice bridge and a dragon-sized promenade connecting the spires to the summit of the mountain. Uh, The last thing on the map, it has eight stars marked in different areas of it, and these indicate large ice sculptures that depict different types of dragons. For layer actions on initiative count 20, they do lose ties. They can make one layer action, but can't do the same action two rounds in a row. And we get three different layer actions for these guys. Um, The first one's called Beguiling Whispers. The dragon can telepathically whisper to one creature within range of its telepathy, which um, is about 120 feet. The creature must succeed on a wisdom save or be charmed until the initiative count 20 on the next round. A creature charmed in this way obeys to the best of its ability the dragon's commands and can't directly harm itself. The they second can also one, cast command as well. So this is this is half of the party that's wiped out by this kind of mind control nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This one is like specifically telepathy though. And a range of 120 feet. That's a pretty big range for, for this. Um, the second one we get is an ice passage. The dragon can open a passage through a wall of ice or snow that is up to five feet thick, creating an opening up to 30 feet wide and high. Oh, dang. That just creates a whole wide new white kind of hell. And then we get Starlight's Gleam. The dragon chooses a point it can see in their lair. Gleaming Starlight radiates from the point to fill a 10-foot radius sphere with dim light. 
Each creature other than the dragon in that area when the light appears must succeed on a DC 15 dex save or takes 2d12 radiant damage and be outlined in the glow. Attack rolls made against an outlying creature have advantage and the creature can't hide or benefit from being invisible. Uh, and then the starlight glow around the creature fades on initiative count 20 on the next round. This ice passage one is interesting to me because do you think they can close passages as well? I was starting to think that too. I I don't know if they can close them. It doesn't say they can, but it doesn't say they can't. I would say that there's a, they're essentially using like the meld stone or control water, right? Yeah, Only exactly. Ice and snow. So I would say, and they can't remember, you can't use the same layer action twice in a row. So you have 12 seconds to get through. Anybody that doesn't make it in two rounds isn't getting through. Right. So you've now put up a barrier and you split the party, which is neat. I'm also thinking ice passage. Looking at the layer, it's open air, right? It's at the top of this this spire. It's at the peak. So what walls of ice and snow? And the answer, my friend, is the floor. Floor. Yeah. Down yes. into the mountain. And I think that's where their horde is, too, right? Like anything that's not a gleaming, sparkling gem or an ice sculpture is going to be down below in a sealed cavern that you can't get to until it opens an ice passage. Which um, they do have a burrow speed, so they can very easily dig down and create that. that and makes even sense. like trap doors and areas too. My question is, how fast does this happen? Is it like instantaneous or does it like slowly fall away over six seconds? What no, no, no. It, it's, it's on initiative count 20. Bam. Right, so mm -hmm. you open this up beneath the feet of two of the players, right? Exactly, but how fast is it? Are the players going to even get a chance to make a deck save, or is it literally, it's gone? It's not there. You're Wily e. Coyote, who's run off the cliff. My answer to that is always within, within the realm of possibility. So if it gave us dimensions 30 feet wide and high, so if you're going to do it on the floor, you have a 30-foot radius. Um, anybody on the edge that's adjacent to the edge of this um, would get a deck save to grab on. Everybody else that's caught in the middle of it just drops. Mm -hmm. That's what I was it, thinking too. It doesn't give us a range on it, so I'm not sure if it, they would have to touch it for it to happen or if like we don't have a range of how far away they have to be to make this passage open. Um, like most other layer actions that don't have a range, it is anywhere within the layer itself. Okay. That's what makes it scary. Yeah, they, yeah. and you'll notice there's no like line of sight. This isn't necessarily about um, if you know someone is there or you can sense them or anything. That That's not a factor. It's just, bloop, it opens. So for regional effects, we get five. And regional effects are usually one of my favorite things. Um, I like that they add a lot of flavor to, to your dragons. First, we have clear skies. Uh, the skies above the crystal dragon's layer remain clear and free of precipitation unless magically altered. Wind blows so lightly. Yeah, there, wind blows lightly, posing little threat to those approaching the layer. And the visibility is best for the possible day of time or day and time of. So it's always Thursday, three o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. They want to make sure you see their castle. Like that's the big thing with their layers. They want you to see them. They want you to come. <laughs> so they make it as pleasant as possible. Well, I, I it's easy to see. <laughs> I also think it's about the fact that they want to be connected to the sky and the stars. Yes. Right. So it's 
they want the sunlight to to go glinting off of their their gems, but they also mm-hmm. want to be able to see the stars. So there's a benefit for both day and night for this. Yes, I thought the like wind blows lightly is like they want you to just they want to make it pleasant. <laughs> oh, I needed that breeze all day. Yeah, yeah right there. it's mm. just a real light. <laughs> um, then we have crystal perfusion, uh, plentiful. Quartz crystals form in natural stone within six miles of the layer, particularly in places where natural light can shine on the crystals. We have icy sight. Ice and quartz within six miles of the layer become conduits for the dragon's psionic presence. Ooh, As in, ooh, ooh, ooh. Remember that 120 feet telepathy shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, now there's wherever there's quartz and, and crystals. Well, and the one before that says that they're creating extra quartz and crystals within the six miles. So there's even more than there should be in that area. And now they can talk through it or see through it. I think that when they're near their lair, if it's an adult or an ancient, right, and they've got regional effects and whatnot, their telepathy and their crazy mind power shit is essentially a six mile radius. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. In addition to the icy sight, as an action, the dragon can cast the clairvoyance spell requiring no spell components and targeting any ice or quartz crystal in that region. And we have positive energy. Any creature that finishes a long rest within six miles of the lair regains two additional spent hit dice. So you just wake up from like a really good night's rest. <laughs> like every time you just feel it really awesome. They just have a really good cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah, yeah. You just, I would even like, you know, your edge lordy characters aren't as edge lordy. They're just like really rested and relaxed. <laughs> they just wake up happy. And then the last one we get is a thriving wildlife. Animal populations flourish within six miles of the lair. Ability checks made to forage for food by hunting, fishing, or trapping in that area are made with advantage. If the dragon dies, the animal population near the lair returns to normal levels over the course of 1d10 days. The increased hit dice recovery ends immediately, and the existing abundance of quartz crystals remains, but new crystals form at a normal rate. Okay, I I have a couple of thoughts real quick. Mm -hmm. One is uh, the clairvoyance spell, by the way. That's the one that gives you the... um, it's essentially a security camera. You can see or hear through an invisible sensor that, you know, can move around your, your space. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with it. Um, as an action, it can cast this. Uh, that's that's nuts. Yeah, it is. It, it, right. you, you have how many security cameras now? Yeah, and you can see and hear and talk to everyone within your region. That's, that's yeah. insane. You're providing um, nice background music as they're coming to you. Uh, yeah, but it always sounds like a theremin because of the crystals. Um, the uh, the other thing about the animal population near the lair returns to normal levels over the course of 1d10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they die off. I think they disperse. Yeah, they just... Like, there's no elsewhere. infusion of negative energy coming in. It's just, mm-hmm. there's no reason to be here anymore. Yeah, they're just sort of, like, drawn to that area once it's gone there. I would I would argue it depends on how the dragon died. For example, I would say if another dragon came in and took over the dragons, like a white dragon came mm-hmm. in and killed off the crystal dragon, 
I would say one of the reasons that the animals are dispersing or uh, decreasing in population is probably because they've been killed. Yeah, they're, they're getting hunted down. But just like if it dies of old age, not that a dragon ever does, but like if it were to just just keel over, if it, if it has a heart attack and keels over, uh, I think every all the animals just kind of slowly disperse out. Um, that discourse I, went a little too long. Yeah, I, I have a I have a weird question, guys. Um, what happens when uh, one of these guys becomes a shadow dragon? Because they're infused with the negative energy plane, right? Like that's a huge reversal of fortune. They become true neutral. Yeah. Uh, I well, no, they they drop to evil. I think that's right in the stat block. Is they become evil? Yeah, they do. Yeah. So like, I <laughs> I really like that as a plot hook. I like the idea of going to find the crystal dragon and. Uh, Everything you were expecting is now very fucking wrong. I like the idea of he turned to a shadow dragon, but he's posing as a crystal dragon now. Yeah, I just can you imagine one of these guys with a floating like crystals and stuff above their spine and stuff? Only it's all like obsidian and black scales and like ah, that's ah, that's neat. I like. I just it. need to paint it. <laughs> I just need something different. Yeah. So getting into their treasure, the preferred gemstone of a crystal dragon is crystals. Shocking, I know. <laughs> and diamonds and quartz. They don't really care about the value of them. They just like pretty things. Uh, also found among their treasured items are things like star maps, prophecies, anything to do with astronomy, or even anything that sparkles and reminds them of the stars. For magical items, they will look for things that can manipulate light, tell the future, or channel positive energy for healing. We do get a D12 uh, table of magic items you can choose from. I have picked three. An oversized monocle custom made for the crystal dragon who thinks it looks very stylish. That's my favorite. I want to see a dragon and a monocle. We need more dragons and monocles. Uh, an astrological birth charts for every year since the dragon was born and a star chart reproducing the night sky for some other material plane world. But I think all they need is monocle. I think that's it. Uh, he needs I, the monocle to read the other things. He does. I'm, uh, I like the idea that there's no actual glass in the monocle. It's just the, <laughs> it's just the circle. That it monocle gets too expensive to keep updating. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have a problem with this now there's astronomy and astrology both mentioned the same place which makes me tweak but whatever that's fine um the star charts reproducing the night sky some other material plane world and we just got spell jammer mm -hmm. do crystal dragons know about everything beyond the like their own universe like are they oh are they aware of the multiverse are they aware of of the different realms out there and if that's the case, why would stars, these stars, hold any truths about reality and fate? And I feel like crystal dragons aren't going to be suited well to a, as, as standard as written, not going to be suited well to a spell jammer campaign necessarily. I feel like there's some conflicting ideas there about the importance of stars and the boundaries of, of this universe or this sky. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't dig too hard at star charts from other worlds. Otherwise you're going to, you're going to give your crystal dragon an ex, an existential crisis, I think. And uh, that's not going to look good. I think what it's going to be, I would change it a little bit. And instead of a star chart reproducing a night sky from some other material plane, 
I would add on the front of that rumored to be a star chart because then that way it brings in the curiosity of the crystal dragon. Oh, I need to look into this more. Is this real? Is this actually true? And it's whatever the stars reveal to them. Yeah, I, I like that better. Give some, give, give the idea of doubt. Yeah, I think they would just read like these stars tell the truth of this plane. Those stars tell the truth of that plane. Because they're different worlds, they're different planes, different things happen on them. And that's sort of the thing with the multiverse is they're very similar, but also very different. So the stars would be different and the results in them would be different. So they would want to know the differences of them. And I think they would compare them. They would almost have them like overlapping and like, what is the difference in this? And why is this one, you know, resulting in this, but this one's resulting in this. So I would have them almost analyzing them to see where the differences are and if they can spot them. So that is all I have for this section. What do you guys think about the lore of these dragons? Let's roll for it. I got a four. I got a 10. I got a five. (sighs) We are not rolling well. I got a three or four. All right. Peps, you're talking to yourself. So what do I think about the lore of these dragons? I really love them. Um, I really enjoy the stars and the fortune telling and i think it would be a lot of fun to have your players go have their fortunes told um which sort of gave me the idea and i asked this in one of my discord channels of how would you go about telling your players fortunes with these guys would you create just a random table would it be already set in your head of what their fortune would be would it be based on the star charts of the day they were born? Would you create all of that? I, okay, look, there's a correct answer here, and it is so on the nose that I think we've overlooked it. And the answer here, of course, is a crystal ball. There you go. That is a little on the nose. <laughs> I love the lore of these guys. The idea that they are thinking about the sky. They're not so much concerned or as concerned with the things on the ground as much as what does the future hold? What can the sky tell me about what will happen? And in the sense of that, being the most positive dragon, the it even says well, they're the kindest dragons of all of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want to talk with these guys. I want to get into that dialogue to just to, just to chat with them. They're not going to eat me, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, as long as you don't steal from them. Um, it did... Uh, mention not liking thieves quite a lot in the in the lore in the book also so as long as you don't destroy things or steal from them they probably won't eat you i I mean that that makes sense because they're all about sharing information and sharing Mm -hmm. right and supporting and so the idea of taking away but it's like it's antithetical to them i just love this idea that this is a dragon that's focused on the social yes so I'm really having trouble wrapping my brain around the spell jammer part of this. Um, and it occurs to me as well. Okay, so we have Dragon Sense. Fizzbands introduces the idea of they're vaguely aware as they get older of the fact that there are different versions of them in different worlds. But then Spelljammer says all the worlds are connected by, you know, space. And we, everybody is in a little bubble and stuff. And I think maybe Crystal Dragons, the way that I can reconcile this in my head, is that there are different versions of the same crystal dragon in all these different realities because there are um but they're aware of each other and they're all comparing their star charts against each other mm-hmm. and that's the great dialogue do you feel better now adam 
Yeah. A little bit. Like connected it all together. Full circle. (laughs) I'm trying to make it work because the more books we get, the murkier the shit becomes, right? So um yeah, I like the idea of of the crystal dragon. One crystal dragon is talking with 12 other versions of itself trying to come up with what is the truth? What do your stars say? That's slightly different than what my stars say, but they're very, very close. What does that mean? Are we interpreting these uh, improperly? And maybe this is why you, this is a quest giver, Mm -hmm. right? This is your big campaign quest giver of, hey, the apocalypse is around the corner, not just my star chart saying it, but everybody's do. All right, I feel better about the lore now. Good. Very good, sir. (laughs) I'm glad we worked that out together. (laughs) Uh, What about the spells? Do you guys like these spells for them? I think you're first, perhaps. I'm I'm first. Um, I do. I like that at the end they get invisibility. Um, It does say that they become transparent and almost invisible. So that fits there. Uh, And a lot of their, like, from Wormling, it's very much about being camouflaged. which makes them not like they don't necessarily want to fight. They want to be hidden. So invisibility, I think, fits especially there. Um, the restorations fit with the um, radiant energy and them being so nice. Agreed. I think all of these spells really fit well with them based on their lore. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to get into a fight. And if it's not restoring somebody, it is something to deter them or to even just get out of there or even just to turn invisible let's chat about this you sit still i'll talk yeah yeah i I don't (laughs) mind these these are all pretty on point i'm surprised we don't have anything cold related because they're so far up into the frigid north but honestly i think that probably has more to do with the fact that they want crystalline objects and ice can be crystallized and uh and also the colder the air the clearer it is so you can see the stars more easily so True. I bet they freaking love the Aurora Borealis. Yes. That's like the party time for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a rave on the top of this mountain. Yep. <laughs> or they want pure silence so that they can just look. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, <laughs> it's EDM. Like they are, they are zoning out. Like they're, they're in, they're grooving. They are with, in their groove. With a theremin. With, with a fucking theremin. <laughs> All right. So the next question I ask myself first, um, how do, do we like their layers and their regional effects? Um, I really thought their layers were interesting. A lot of dragons go through great lengths to hide their layers and make it impossible to get to. And they're like, come on in. Like they basically have a welcome sign just sitting out in front of it. Um, they specifically make pathways and bridges so that you can get to them. Whereas like the bronze dragon specifically traps everything around it so that you can't. Uh, So I thought that was very unique. I liked that they put their horde into the layer itself. I thought that was also very interesting that their layer becomes their horde essentially. Um, And the regional effects, I think they get a lot of them that work very well together as we sort of talked about where they create more crystals than they can see through the crystals. They could talk through the crystals. Um, a lot of them really, and I don't think from my memory that I've seen any that connect that well in any other dragons that I have researched where they just work together so perfectly, the regional effects for the benefit of the dragon. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just this idea that they are 
the happy dragon and these regional effects really tie into that that it is welcoming in Mm -hmm. as the as the party is coming upon the lair or just kind of going along the path they suddenly hear from a crystal nearby come on in it's all right yeah we're fine yeah come join us Mm -hmm. it can be scary as heck but they also are wanting to welcome people in and i think everything about the regional effects kind of adds to that and even to a point the layer details as well maybe they make the ice passage bigger if for some reason that they can't get by for whatever reason maybe a frost giant has thrown a huge pile of snow on the path well let me just clear a path for you mm-hmm. it's funny i don't think of them as necessarily being the happiest I, th- I keep thinking of them like they're Professor Trelawney from the Harry Potter um, series. Um, she's just like, she's always pointed her face at, at the future and her mind at, at what's happening tomorrow. And she's not seeing what's here and present now. She's pleasant. She understands that things are nice and she's kind and people like her. And she's not an offensive person by any means. But the, like, she, yeah, 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 come on in. But it's not like she's happy. She's, I don't see ecstasy and joy radiating from one of these guys. I think they're they're focused on other things. Um, and that's why I think that their layers are the way that they are. It, look, from the the art itself, it is clearly a rip off of uh, the Ivory Tower and the Neverending Story. That open air spire of like just gleaming radiant light pouring up. That's that 100 that, yeah. what it is, yeah. So, and I think that's rad. Like, I really do like that. But that doesn't say to me, "Let's party and tell jokes." That's what a brass dragon and a copper dragon do. These guys, they are nice. They are kind, happy. I w- I would say pleasant. I would mm-hmm. say they're content with what's happening around them because they're focused on other bigger shit, or they're more interested in and hyper focused on something specific. Um, there's they're almost I wouldn't say absent-minded but distracted you kind of mentioned Trelawney I think of it more like Patch Adams like that when someone is around they just wants to make them happy when they are around if they're not around that's really the Moonstone Dragon in my opinion Um, they and I think you can you could honestly um, play them that way sure absolutely and if you're not going to have a Moonstone Dragon and a Crystal Dragon in your campaign, eh, there's no problem doing that. But that's how I would differentiate the two of them in a massive Dragon campaign where you kind of meet everybody. Fair enough, fair enough. Mm-hmm. It does say they're very nurturing um, and like how they adapt other eggs and that. So I I see them as like the mother of Dre. Like they are the motherly type. Like, come in, let me take care of you. Let me give you a snack. Sit down. What can I do for you? What do you need? Are you thirsty? Here, let me get you this. Like if you happen upon their lair, they're just so excited about it and they just want to feed you. (laughs) They just want to like make sure you're comfortable and like have everything you need while you're in their space. That's that's kind of what I mean though. I mean like every Every one of my friends when I was growing up that had like the the mother that would adopt you for the afternoon, like come mm-hmm. in, get comfortable. My space is your space. What do you want to drink? Here's some cookies. And they sit down and ask you about your day and whatnot. They're focused on happiness, sure. But they're focused on your happiness. They're focused mm-hmm. on the bigger picture. They're not sitting there talking about, I had a great day today and here's why great big smiles. Right? They're very much being 
nurturing, I think is a correct word. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and they can, they can be happy. Sure. And it is a safe, comfortable environment, but it's about safe and comfort and nurture more so than emotional happiness. Again, that's what I think the Moonstone Dragon was, which was like, Hey, let's all just tickle. Like this mm-hmm. is, they had that like dancing. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Let's right? all dance. <laughs> Yeah, whereas this one wants to sit down and say, you look troubled, what's on your mind, mm-hmm. right? They're the hearth dragon. Yeah, I think so. That, that level of of comfort, which is why I think that they would raise a, a white dragon and just be like, well, I'm not going to change who you are. You want to go hunt and maim. I, 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 don't, I don't like it. I prefer life, but you do you. Here's a comfortable bed <laughs> while you do it. <laughs> All right, so what do I think their eggs look like? I know eggs are one of your favorite things, Adam. <laughs> yep. Um, you know what? You said it before. What if their eggs are crystal balls? I would, yeah, yeah. Or they're like multifaceted mm-hmm. like eggs where like a I don't think they're pooping out uh Fabergé eggs necessarily, mm-hmm. right? But uh but they do I think sparkle and glitter and stuff, right? Yeah, they definitely shine their eggs. <laughs> I would agree that they do sparkle and glitter. Absolutely. What if, just to play it a little bit differently, what if they were completely smooth, like large egg shape, but completely smooth, but they are literally glowing with radiance? That is actually a really great idea, I think, because enemies can see that too. Yeah. And so, and you know what? Maybe that's why they have these these hidden chambers deep inside the mountain too, Mm -hmm. right? Um, because their eggs give off bright light. Um, I like that a little bit better than being transparent or translucent. Although if any of them are going to be transparent where you can see the baby hatchling, you know, inside, I guess it would be a crystal dragon. I would almost want to put to this that the eggs, they shine and shimmer, but almost like stars in the sky. That if a party were to look upon an egg, it's like they can't stop looking at it because the beauty of it and it's so detailed mm. and just everything. And they're almost hypnotized by what the egg looks like. Just have like a hypnotic pattern, but exactly. a weaker version yeah. of it, but like hypnotic pattern there. I'd also say that you have disadvantage for the next two rounds as you have just the the after image of the egg in your eyes. Like you're, you're technically blinded for the yeah. next two rounds as well. But they're cold, right? Yeah, well, I mean, but they're, they're... warm hearted. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like it, it's a brilliant, bright light, but it, it's it's white light. It's not yellow light. Do you follow me? Like it's yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's that cold light and not evil, not detached. Just I mean, they're up in the Arctic. It, it is a cool, cold light. This is another one of the ones you, Game of Thrones taught everybody that you need to hatch a dragon egg in fire. And mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons goes, whoa, 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 wait, 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 not always. Mm-hmm. So, I, well, those were wormlings and the dragons, and also they were just fire breathers, so that makes sense for them. <laughs> yeah, but I think that for these guys, <laughs> maybe they have to be cold. Do you think they have to hatch in sunlight? I would say they have to hatch in starlight. Starlight, of course. I like that. Mm-hmm. On the clearest night as the stars twinkle above them. Maybe their egg has some sort of constellation on it. And it's not until the stars reach that point of the egg, the pattern on the egg that they hatch. <gasps> That's the quest. Can, no matter when they're laid, they always, always, always hatch on a solstice or an equinox. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, talking about their eggs, let's work into wormlings. 
uh, which is more of me talking. <laughs> uh, for wormlings, we get the fun connections tables. And that is a D6 for the wormlings. A crystal dragon wormling has foreseen an untimely end for the bandits who raided the wormlings lair and follows the bandits to keep them safe. This one, like I said before, they talk a lot about not liking thieves. So I find it very interesting that even though they don't like thieves, they still will follow these guys to keep them safe, even though they stole from them. Um, and then I have a crystal dragon wormling has befriended a white dragon wormling. The wormling's parents, who are ancient rivals, regard the relationship with concern. So this is your Romeo and Juliet of dragons, which I think is a lot of fun. Moving into their stats, they are a medium-sized dragon. Uh, like we said before, they are typically chaotic neutral. Their CR is two, and they speak draconic and have a telepathy of 120 feet, which is really big for a wormling. Uh, their AC is 14 and their uh, average hit points are about 32. They get a walking speed of 30, a burrow speed of 15, a climbing speed of 30, and a flying speed of 60. So they can move and get away in a lot of different ways. Their highest stat is Charisma with a 15, followed by Strength, Con, and Intelligence that are all tied, giving all four of those a plus two. Then Wisdom gets a plus one, and Dex is their lowest, but still has a plus one. Um, Dex and Wisdom both get a plus three to saving throws, and Con and Charisma both get a plus four. Their skills are Perception and Stealth with a plus five, and Survival with a plus three. Three. They are resistant to both radiant and cold damage. They have blind sight of 10 feet and dark vision of 60 feet with a passive perception of 15. Getting into their actions, they have a bite attack with a plus four to hit, a 1d10 plus two piercing plus a 1d4 radiant damage on that bite. Their breath weapon is called a scintillating breath, which recharges on a five or six. Uh, the dragon exhales a burst of brilliant radiance and a 15-foot cone. Each creature in that area must make a DC 12 con save or take 4d8 radiant damage on a failed or half as much on a success. The dragon gains five temporary hit points by absorbing a portion of the radiant energy, which leaves me with the question, would you guys give them the ability to gain HP if they're hit with a radiant attack yeah yes don't don't do don't do that that's dumb yeah but like you should just you should just know that as an adventure by the time you're fighting one of these guys you should just know you don't take poison to a green dragon fight you don't take necrotic to a shadow dragon fight and you don't take radiant to a crystal dragon fight well, but i do question though it does say in the mechanics that they are resistant to radiant mm -hmm. it doesn't say immune it doesn't say Correct. absorbs it just says resistant so mechanically can damage them it's not gonna do a lot mm -hmm. i would absolutely though say that that it hurts them and then they immediately just bask in the light afterwards and heal back up so you would have to do look you you have the ability as in i think it's one of the which one is it it is the scintillating um mm -hmm that lets you regain temporary hit points yeah. but it's a flat number right like it's not based on how much damage yeah it's just five 
So I would say, yeah, they're you hit them for 12 radiant damage. They're resistant to it, so they take six and they heal five. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then their spell casting, which we already touched on a little bit before, uh, they can cast one of those spells requiring no spell components. Um, and intelligence is their spell casting ability. And again, at Wormling, they get dancing lights and guidance. So now is the time to roll again, and I've got more questions. Let's see if I'm asking myself first again. I got an eight. I got a six. One of these days, I will roll double digits, I swear to God. <laughs> I got an 18. So <laughs> It is a dragon episode. So it pets. is a dragon episode. Um, we always seem to ask ourselves the questions. <laughs> okay, so um, what type of quests do we see with the wormling stage of these? I like to look at the creature connections when I'm thinking about the quests and that. And I really like the sort of Romeo and Juliet sort of thing and you're like hired by the parent to like because they they like the white dragon wordlings they raise them themselves but they don't necessarily trust the parent of this one so like can you go keep an eye on them for me you know can you report back can you let me know what happens um so it would almost be like a babysitting mission for these guys and seeing what sort of things they get into with this white dragon and what kind of danger they get into and you might have to step in if the white dragon does seek out more um danger than the crystal dragon would be used to because they hide more um so they might get into you know the bad the bad side of the the arctic <laughs> and it's sort of like um the fresh prince bel-air i get into one little fight and my mom got scared <laughs> <laughs> So you're just trying to make sure that doesn't happen for the, the parent of this crystal dragon. I like that. That's actually similar to what I was thinking too with the wormlings and the quests. It's the adults. It's the parents of this crystal dragon that's giving the quest. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of babysitting. I like the idea that you are there talking to the these two dragons. And then all of a sudden, a white dragon or a frost dragon or both start attacking. And they say to them, wait here, protect my kid while we go deal with an issue. Mm -hmm. So you're playing defense in their lair. You don't have control of anything in their lair, but you're just kind of on the defense of whatever minions these guys are sending to take the Wormling. When I'm looking at the Wormling connections, I see when they're young, especially, there's a lot of chaos involved. Oh, yes. There's a lot of whimsy that we don't get with all the star charts and everything else um with the themes of kind of the older dragons so they're very immature i mean even one of the options for a wormling even talks about pulling pranks right which is traditionally a copper dragon thing but sure like we're we're really leaning into the idea of chaotic neutral here um we did say babysitting yes <laughs> and i feel like uh as, as far as whatever the plot hook goes it can be really, really easy to, as a dungeon master, come off as more annoying than chaotic, um, which means that whatever your plot hook is, and I think that the six that they list are great, um, my big hint is going to be you've got to make sure that whatever the, the chaos is, it is occasionally helpful. And the tendency, I think, for a lot of DMs is to be 
wacky and random, which comes off as annoying. And this is why chaotic NPCs get killed like very, very quickly because the players just suddenly don't give a shit anymore. Fine. That's it. We're done. We're, we're just going to kill this thing off or who cares if it dies. We'll, we'll make an excuse. We'll run away from whoever gave us the quest. We'll, we'll pay them off or whatever. Uh, we're the heroes and we don't want to put up with this bullshit. So um, I, I like the idea of, uh, what was the one there were the bandits, the thieves that uh, stole from it. And then it's like, I will protect them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so your party goes and fights the bandits. And then suddenly a crystal dray or a crystal dragon wormling shows up in the middle of this fight. Your player's like, what the shit? And then, but they're interesting. They're neat. Or they've got sparkly gleaming items or whatever it is. And it swaps allegiances and then protects them for a little bit. Right. That's going to be chaotic and weird but not something that's going to piss off the players. Now they have a powerful ally who then sees something sparkly over there in three sessions and fucks off, right? So um, it, it's really going to be dependent on how you're playing your chaos. Mm-hmm. And that brings us into the next question, which is how would you role play these guys? Um, yeah, I find a lot with Wormlings, they do sort of play into the, they're more tricksters and play pranks and jokes. And, you know, they're like, fun loving kids you know they're your your young kids that like to play tricks and pranks but none of them are necessarily harmful um they just like to be silly i think at this point they are learning the stars so they might have um talking some sort of riddles that don't necessarily make sense based on what they see in the stars but they're still sort of learning those so they it might not even be right (laughs) what they're saying you know and so you just sort of have to figure out like is this an important bit that I need to pay attention to or (laughs) as someone with kids perhaps I completely get it yeah yeah like they just have that ongoing story of like this is what the stars told me last night (laughs) like do I need to pay attention to this I would very much go along the same way when I think of role-playing these guys I think of my kids how they can be pranksters, but nothing that causes harm and mm-hmm. only causes people to laugh. And that's what I think of when I think of role-playing these particular wormlings. They want to have a fun time. They want to have a good time. And they want the people around them to have a fun time too. That's kind of how I'm thinking of them. And as regards to like the stars, my two-year-old will try and tell me something and I can get maybe half of it, if mm-hmm. that. And so that's what I think too, is you can kind of make out what they're saying or you have to kind of piece it together and take some guesswork. Yeah. It's and, that you have to speak toddler to know what they're saying. Like you exactly. have to speak crystal dragon wormling to understand. I, I am not a rugrat crystal dragon. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I think that coming at this from a, like a childlike perspective is fantastic. I remember, I remember being young, like six, seven years old and, you know, pulling pranks on friends and the friends that get all upset. You're like, what, what? no, no, no. We're all supposed to laugh. This was objectively funny. I, I'm sorry you're upset. And like, I, I think it, that's where the chaos comes is like, even if you piss off the players, then start immediately apologizing. It was just jokes. I'm sorry. How can I make it up? That very emotional, everything is big feeling with these guys. And they're going to not have the best wisdom um, when it comes to this. Uh, what's the wisdom stat when they're uh, wormling? Um, their wisdom was 
they get a plus one to wisdom. So I mean, that's that's like an adult it's, level, but they're, they're second to lowest uh, stat. I just think I just think it's their inexperience, right? Like mm-hmm. yeah. they are aware. I think it's more so they are aware of their surroundings, but they get carried away. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so, and I and that's yeah, that's definitely how how I'd be role playing these guys. Right. So as a wormling, um, they don't yet really have their regional effects and all that kind of stuff. So how would you play into like clues of that you're near one or uh, exploration sort of um, ideas of how you find one, how you know you're there by nearby? Um, how would you clue in your players necessarily that they're around? Um, I think they just show up. Like, I don't know that with these, you get much clues with the wormlings. I think they still, like we were just saying, don't really have the social cues of things, but they saw something in the stars and they just show up because they're like, I have to tell them, you know? (laughs) So they'll just appear to you, to your players and give you some random riddle of a quest that you have to try and figure out i like that idea i would go from the other side of it that you encounter the parents Mm -hmm. you don't often see the wormlings going out on their own they sometimes will like we can see in some of the connections but more often than not they're going to be within or close by the layer and so at least one parent would be there. At least that's how I look at it. And you stumble upon the wormling or as parents like to do, they will show off their children and they'll show, hey, he was my kid. Mm-hmm. He came up with this prophecy. Look. <laughs> it's just it's just doodles and crayon. <laughs> it's charcoal. It's not crayon. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, you guys have kids. How many times you reach in their pockets when you're doing laundry and you just find random shit? Yeah. Oh boy. So I found like, <laughs> like a collection of sporks from the, from the school cafeteria one time in my kid's room. Like, why do you have 20 sporks? And they're like, I don't know, in case they needed them. For mine, it's like, I just find Lego. Yeah. I, I, I feel like these guys are picking up small sparkly rock. Like there was a rock in a in a riverbed or there was a particularly like shiny piece of ice they just pick it up and they have little piles of this shit just like all over the area it's not in any sort of it's not a layer but they're clearly Mm -hmm. learning how to build a layer and they're just not good at it right like they they stack a bunch of of shards of ice and they go look look this one's an orc and like they're gonna get to the ice sculpture idea eventually but -hmm. they're not there yet yeah It's like just a tiny snowman. Yeah. Um, Do we see these guys getting into combat? I mean, they have, you know, their breath weapon and their bite, but how much do you have any combat ideas or do you see them necessarily combatively? Um, I don't see players fighting them unless you just have a bunch of murder hobos who see a dragon and immediately start attacking, which is always a possibility. (laughs) New players. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see the combat more as like it got into trouble and you need to help it with these guys. So it's more of what you are fighting against with these. You're working more together with it in a combat situation than against it. I like that because they're not battle heavy at all, but they will defend themselves. 
they have the ability to, well, hurt you. Mm-hmm. And depending on what level your characters are at, but they will try and get away. Unless, unless as a child is pre- like protecting something that they love. Like it's something that's so dear to them. What if it's this friend that it was playing with? It is in trouble. It will go to its defense or like the bandits, like we've gone to already. It's not battle heavy, but it's still going to go to their defense. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm doing math. Uh, the average amount of damage that you can expect to do with their breath weapon uh, is 18, which means that's a level two creature, which is fine, challenge rating two, but you can drop a player character in one breath weapon. Yeah. Fine. Love it. Great. But that's when I think that it needs to drop out of initiative. And when it hits your elf wizard doing 18 damage and they've got, you know, 13 maximum hit points, boom, down they go. Immediately, the the crystal wormling drops to the ground and goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Are you OK? Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. I, I Guys, I didn't mean to do this. I, uh, you came in here. It's not my fault. And just like very much a, a toddler in defense when they, you know, when the older sibling just totally like really hurts the younger sibling but didn't mean to like i hit you with the pillow it was supposed to be soft but then you fell off the couch and beat your head in the floor and now no, you I won't never stop know what crying. that's like never. yeah you just hear screaming never. from the other room and like crying and then, it's not my fault <laughs> i didn't know it. i didn't mean to right like, I think that's a christmas yep. yeah <laughs> All what right. did you do it wasn't <laughs> Well, going with that analogy, now we have the younger sibling that was injured. Let's talk about the older sibling, the young crystal wormling that did the damage. (laughs) So as we look at the young dragons, let's look at the connections first, because they are quite different than the wormlings. And as we go, we're going to see stats a little better, but it's the flavor that changes. So with these connections, you can roll a d6 on the table there. I picked out two that I thought were rather fun. One being a young crystal dragon has adopted a group of kobolds and is trying to teach them the value of a good practical joke. Jesus, that is a nightmare and a half. Yes, it is. I, I, I like that one, especially for Megan. Yeah, Megan would love that one. Yeah. <laughs> the second one I really liked was a young crystal dragon uses dancing lights and hypnotic pattern to give an air of authenticity to a charlatan fortune teller's act in exchange for a portion of the take for from the charlatan's clients. I like that this kind of shows a little bit of the chaotic side of them. Still, as a young dragon, they're not just, oh, good and everything. No, they, they can still be quite neutral, chaotic, even what they do. Do, do you guys find that there's a disconnect between these connections that sorry for the pun there uh did not intend that but there's a disconnect between the the connections and the idea of the star charts and everything they're about like all the connections seem to be we're we're crazy chaotic neutral uh, and there's not a whole lot there about the sky and and starlight and and positivity and like the positive plane specifically like there there seems to be almost a the duality to these guys as far as the lore goes i think what it is is the maturity as the dragon gets older they mature into that they start their interest starts to adjust to the stars rather than always being there as 
a wormling and a young dragon. They want to get out. They want to see the world. And then as they get older, they've seen the world. What about the stars? That's kind of how I look at it. What about you, Peps? Yeah, I mean, I think as they're growing, they're learning it more. You know, like as a as a kid going through their stories, you know, you start off with very basic books that you read your kids. And as they get older and their minds form, it goes you know, more and more. So I think they're reading the stars, but they're not understanding them as much. So they're more as they're younger, connected to the things around it that they can touch and feel and see. Um, and just sort of learning the stars and, and to tell the fortunes because, and you know, even in the wormlings, it did say that they saw in the stars, the bandits, um, future and wanted to protect them. So they do have a bit of that. But I think they are more connected at this age to what's around them and just sort of learning what's up there. No, I like that. That is cool. Just the idea that they are aware, Mm -hmm. although it doesn't interest them as much yet. So let's go into the stats of these guys. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because there's not too big of changes. Now, they are a large dragon now, which is pretty fun. You encounter a large dragon, you're going to be a little scared. They go to a CR5 at this point. And guess what? They now speak common. So we were talking before with the Wormlings, how they were trying to chat with you about what they see. Well, guess what? It's all in Draconic or it's via telepathy. But now they can speak in common out loud. Their HP goes up. They're average around 95. And for a CR5, that's kind of average. It's nothing too special about that. Their AC goes up to 15. So again, their scales starting to develop more, get more harder. In regards to, again, how they move, uh, everything goes up a little bit higher. You know, the walk and climb speed goes up to 40 feet. Their flight goes up to 80 feet and their burrow to 20 feet. So instead of 15 to 20, this is something that's not necessarily utilized a lot. We have to think about whenever when a combat encounter or even an exploration is this idea of a burrow speed. I think we've mentioned it here on the podcast before that that can be quite dangerous because your characters don't necessarily burrow. So I think I would love to see more play into that because that makes them any, any creature that can burrow quite dangerous to a party if played right. And think of it this way. You're in an ice palace cavern that's a little scary because you might even see them underground and you can't get to them on the actual stats everything is slightly higher and which makes them that that five cr level but nothing too immense at this point other than maybe their constitution is now an 18 which gives them a plus four but all the points i have raised up except dexterity dexterity even did by one point if we go to the saving throughs again slightly higher one or two points around except constitution which now is a plus seven uh, which is up three points to plus seven and as for the skills the biggest jump is their perception is now plus eight so they're not yeah that's at a plus eight for their perception whereas the rest got an additional two points resistances immunity is still the same they have that blind sight now is 30 feet dark vision 120 feet and their passive perception is 18. These guys, they're, they're going to start to see you coming, especially where they are. If it's dead of night and they have lit by the stars and that dark vision, we can't see at all. Maybe it's a, maybe they're not in their lair. Maybe it's a cloudy night. You can't see anything. Well, guess what? They still have blind sight of 30 feet. You're not sneaking up on these guys. Um, if we continue on to how scary their actions are, well, they now have a multi-attack. 
they get that initial bite, which is now 2d10 instead of 1d10. But they have two claw attacks. Pretty standard. They have claws now. Remember, they're climbing more. They have sharper claws to get you with. But what's really interesting is that uh, scintillating breath upgrade is instead of a 15-foot cone, it's now a 30-foot cone. It has gone twice as much, and it's a 15 DC, 68, and instead of just getting five temporary hit points, they now get 10. So it's pretty interesting. And on top of that, they now get the spell's hypnotic pattern and lesser restoration. And they can cast each one of those once per day. It's a, it's a bit of an upgrade. It may not be so harsh in the way of combat, but outside of combat, they can be pretty hurtful. Or uh, they can help you, too. You don't know. All right, let's roll some dice and uh, see if I get to ask somebody else first. I got a 12. Double digits. Yay! Finally. I got a 17. <laughs> Six. Six. Okay, so no, I asked myself again. Um, okay, so quests. How would you give a different type of quest with this age up? Um, based on your creature connections, they seem to be more out in the world as young, um, dragons. They seem to be connecting more with, like you said, a charlatan giving a street act, um, kobolds that they have adapted. So I think you would see these guys around more than you would see the wormlings. You know, they're, um, they're out there, they're, you might see them even in like a small town or something, you know, playing around with the like street performers and that kind of stuff. So they would maybe see you pass by and be like, hey, I saw you. I saw a thing about you. Um, come here, come here, come here, come here. And like, that's when they're going to tell you like, in the stars, do you see up there? I saw this thing and this is what you have to go to for me because stars, man, you know, <laughs> like they're still not like entirely making sense on what they want you to do but they have a bit more of an idea on it and on life um so i think they would just stop you and be like hey you you i saw you you gotta come here because the star said so and that's how they would get you to give the quest i i feel like they've they've definitely matured um looking at the six options that's there we've got one that's based on conservation two that are based on teaching um one that's based on profit and uh and uh two that are you know, sense of humor practical joke right we're still getting chaos but it's not it's not the pure chaos of a of a child of a wormling um they're they they're more concerned with the world around them and, and their impact on the world um this to me is you know how every teenager suddenly gets this the sense of their own personal morality when they hit like between 14 and 16, where suddenly they just know better than everybody else. Yeah. I have a 13 year old. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's not just like, I'm smarter than you. It's a, I know the right way to do this and you should do it my way. And I feel that's what the young crystal dragon is doing. Um, They're just very, very sure of themselves. And uh, and they know what they can bring to the table. They know what you can bring to the table. The stars have shown me that I can do this, so I'm going to do it. And I just, whatever the quest, whatever it it comes to, I would really hit it with the idea of of being a lot more sure in what they want. There's a conviction there. And uh, I would have whatever that quest is be wrong. That's interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting to to show those teenagers that they don't know everything yet. Well, the idea that they, (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm going to do that for my kids game. <laughs> Just to show up. No, <laughs> you're not always right. <laughs> it's the inconsistency. Oh, go ahead. So it's just a thinly veiled uh, metaphor for yeah. the shit they were doing last week. <laughs> I'd be interested to see how the party reacts to that. Are, are they going to be straight up angry with him? Or are they going to maybe tell his parents, you need to do better? Or uh, what is the party going to do? Are they going to come beside him and say, it's okay, you tried? I think also at this point, the I, I think this is what all young dragons, they need to leave um, the nest. By the time that they're young, wormlings can be around parents, but I don't think a young should. Um, I have two reasons for this. One is young are still old, like they've got decades of experience, right? So it's not like they're they're new and inexperienced at this point. They're just not big and powerful yet. Um, but the other thing too is that having one or two adult or ancient dragons plus a young is beyond the combat capability of any party. That's true. Mm-hmm. I feel like they still go home for dinner on Sundays, though. They, 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 uh, <laughs> but only when the stars tell them, though. The stars tell. According like to the, the stars, idea. mom is making meatloaf and there'll be enough leftovers. All right, I'm yes, going home. I'm going home. Uh, I like then, the idea of your, like, your quest <laughs> being wrong is just that they had their chart upside down. Well, I like, really like um, I, I really like the idea oh. of their sister looking at it like, Oh shit, Eberron is in retrograde. I didn't take that into consideration. <laughs> I like the idea that the young dragon, he doesn't hire you. He asks for help. He he's comes to you and asks for help to go around different parts of the world to see what the different constellations look like. He can do it himself. Sure, he can fly around and do it. But he likes the idea of having someone there to chat with, to tell them about the constellations, to look well, at them. Well, that and I think at this point they would realize that if they're doing, they're not seeing, right? So if they if they want to spend time with the star charts and figure it all out, they need to be home on these days when when these line up in the correct ways. They've got to be in this part of the world when the stars are lined up just so, and we've got Aurora Borealis interacting with this constellation. That's going to tell me different things. I can't miss that. So can you guys go 300 miles to the southeast and go do this one thing for me? And uh, when you come back, I should know more. Exactly. Yeah. It's go chart out this storm. I'll teach you how to do it. I'll teach one of you how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then go do that for me. Bring that back. Let's compare our notes. Yeah. I like and maybe that. if you have like a druid of the stars in your group, you know, it's they could compare, you know, their star charts and it can sort of say like, okay, so you already know a little bit. So this is what you got to do, <laughs> you know, because again, it's going to think it knows better. So it's going to sort of be telling your druid circle of the stars, like, yeah, that's good, but here's what you need to do. <laughs> and it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the, the divination wizard as well is another one that's ripe for this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think who else, maybe a light cleric or no, the twilight cleric. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Or Twilight Ranger. Is there a Twilight Ranger? Oh, was it the? Oh no, nope. There is not. I'm thinking of. I'm getting my classes mixed up and subclasses mixed up. <laughs> it's easy to do. There's so many of them. <laughs> so in that we have also talked a lot about how we would role play them in the quest giving. So is there anything else you guys would add to that? Not um, really, off the top of my head. I mean, they're yeah. they're 
overly confident, confidently mm-hmm. incorrect sometimes even. Yeah. I like to treat it more so if they are going out into the world, if they are, they're like a roaming backpacker. You know, the people who kind of backpack across Europe. Mm-hmm. They're not around major populaces all the time. They're going on the... They're going up the trails. They're looking at all the sites and seeing everything. That's what I see these guys as. These are the the ones that have the backpack on. Well, dragon-sized backpack because they can't shape change yet. But they're the ones that are kind of going around eagerly looking at all the sites and everything and getting directions when they need to. So what about like clues and exploration and how would you sort of hint to your party that these guys are around? Um, You know, like we sort of stated, I think they would just be seen. Like, I think at this point, they're very curious about the world. Uh, I don't believe they get their regional effects really, but I mean, in Fizzbins, it does say that at younger ages, you can give them some regional effects. So maybe you do see some more crystals growing um, here and there, or you see, a little bit more animals in the area than there should, or the skies are always clear, you know, but not, not always just 80% of the time, you know, like it hasn't rained for a while, you know, seems kind of odd. I know it did like two weeks ago, but they don't have full control over that kind of thing yet. Um, so I, yeah, I think they would just, they would just be out there like exploring. And I think they're very curious at this stage and they, these ones are not the ones to hide, you know, they're, they're out there seeing the world, seeing things, reading people's futures. They're probably set up on the side of the road. Like, let me tell you your future. Let me tell you, <laughs> you know, and, and some sort of tent or something like, come on in. Let me tell you this omen I saw. Do you think they use their telepathy to mess with people during their dreams just to be able to be like, this is an omen. This is the truth. I read it in the stars and that <laughs> now you believe this to be true as well. That depends yeah. how you play your crystal dragon. Mm. That I is think getting totally into could be. sort of moonstone dragon area too, messing with dreams. That Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I, I like... Uh, but maybe as you're adventuring, because it's 120 feet. Like that's a, you know, they could see you from across like a busy area and like hey you over there and <laughs> you just hear this voice in your head especially if you're going to give them the ability to polymorph or to change shape which mm-hmm. i think every dragon should but i think um, they do but not at this stage yet. no not not yet that's adult or ancient mm-hmm. um i think as far as exploration and clues and whatnot um i think you're gonna find gems and crystals um that have they're that are either very large and have constellations drawn in them so they look like runes but your character is going to take them a while to figure out what they are um it's not a rune it's a constellation uh or you would find smaller crystals that are in very specific patterns over and over again just like littered across the landscape um as they were trying to line up you know, the way that Stonehenge is lined up to the constellations, they're trying to line up crystals to the constellations on specific days. And if your players keep messing with those crystals, the, the dragon's going to show up and be like, stop, stop touching it. I just got this right. Hold on, I got to check the math. I would agree more so with that. And I don't actually don't think they would necessarily put themselves out to be seen as much. Just because they are young dragon, they know that there are more powerful things out there than them. Mm-hmm. and if i was going by the mechanics that they're not able to polymorph yet 
if you see one of these things kind of parked on the side of the road, it's it's going to cause a lot of attention. Maybe from maybe <laughs> not as from the nicest crowd, especially mm-hmm. because they are a crystal dragon. And memory serves correct. The gem dragons are quite rare. So it would be people who are trying to poach them would definitely try and hunt them down just for the crystals that are on them and Mm -hmm. the worth of them. And I think the young dragons would be aware of this. And so they would still be careful in how it kind of goes around. However, at this stage, they are more white than they are crystal. They're still transforming from that dull gray into a white before they actually turn into their like clear crystal. That's true. So they would more so look like a white dragon at this age than a crystal dragon. Yeah, it would seem a little odd, though, seeing even a white dragon in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and saying, it'd be hey, like a very help. odd, <laughs> a very I'm, interesting white dragon. <laughs> but I like the idea of they're mapping out a constellation on the ground and you're seeing it. And if you had a bird's eye view, you'd see exactly what it is, but you don't. And so you kind of, what's this rock doing here? What what, what the heck is this? And it's a fun way to get the party interacting with them. And then all of a sudden you hear a voice in your hair and your head saying, put the rock down <laughs> now. Don't make me come over there. All right. Are we seeing combat for these guys? Um, again, I, I don't know that they're going to be very combative. Um, to your party they are i definitely see them more as quest givers than than combat encounters but again i would have them like you said um if they are seen and known there are bigger badder things out there so they are going to need your help this might be where we start seeing frost giants coming into play that we need to protect them against or they might need our help against uh the quests that they give us could be more combative um whether they help us out on that or just send us off to take care of it for them um again you can fight them but i just don't see a lot of that arising unless there's just a party of murder hobos or an evil campaign or something along those lines um honestly i think that uh, as far as combat goes they're not going for a lethal kill on this they'll use Mm non-lethal damage they'll breath weapon you down um, and then stabilize you, or they will use their their bite and their claws to to uh, to knock you down to zero hit points, um, and then do non lethal damage for that final hit, and then relocate you while you are unconscious. Right? Um, they're not killers. Mm-hmm. Even ancient, they're not killers. That's not what they're about. And they actually believe in the sanctity of life, and that's the positive plane influence and whatnot, which is fine. That's great. Um, it makes their combats, they're more likely to be the victim than I think the instigator. Um, but when they need to instigate, they will. They're still a dragon. They're just not going to you know, rack up a body count. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think fighting for them is the last resort. They are not going in it, I said, for the kill or even the fight. They can hold their own, but they want to try and settle things without violence. And this is where I think hypnotic pattern could come into play. They just cast that. And keep in mind, this is a CR5. And if your your characters are going this and they cast hypnotic pattern on you, it's this idea of you're suddenly stunned. You don't really know what to do. You're incapacitated. And you're just kind of swaying back and forth for a round. He's going to either use that opportunity to get away. He doesn't need to be there. Or he's going to pick you up and relocate you. Yeah. 
but not just Drapia, you know, like like other dragons might do. <laughs> Named Terry, exactly. <laughs> so as we move on to adult dragons, uh, the connections we have there, they have a D8 table, so it gives you more options. And the two that I picked out were these. A pair of adult crystal dragons layering on navel mountaintops have enjoyed a decades-long snowball war, but their antics sometimes cause avalanches that threaten nearby villages. That's just fun. That that right there is your Christmas session. Exactly. <laughs> yes, that's what I was thinking too. Uh, the other one I have here is an adult crystal dragon and an elf archmage have been friends for centuries and often go stargazing together and on the peaks of their favorite mountains. But the dragon is grieving as the elf approaches the end of its life. Stargazing is is what they're calling it, but we all know what that actually means, right? Yeah, they can polymorph at this age. They can. <laughs> yeah. So but I find that interesting that like, because an elf lives a long time, but so does a dragon. Mm-hmm. It's one is gonna outlive the other. So really quickly, let's go through the adult dragon stat block. It's a huge dragon now. It's big. And it is increased in CR from five to twelve. Big boost here. Again, the average HP on these guys, 172. So almost doubled in HP and a 15 AC. Um, And the speeds, again, not much difference other than your burrow speed has increased to 40 feet. That's faster than your average character's walking speed. So they can burrow faster than you can run. Imagine how scary that is. You're trying to get away. I'm thinking of tremors here. That's what kind of comes into my head. And I love any any creature that can burrow is freaking amazing. And I know that these guys are getting burrow speeds because they've got snow, right? And everybody in the snow, like all worm-like creatures up in the snow, remoraz and everything else, they all get burrow speeds. And it's just kind of a standard D&D thing. But yeah, if you are if you are not burrowing with Crystal Dragon, you're sleeping on it. Yeah, exactly. As for their stats, again, everything slightly higher, except for Dexterity. And the Wisdom are stay the same relatively. But everything else is now at a plus four or higher for the modifier. So it's got some decent stats. Your saving throws, everything one or two points up. Same with the skills. Everything one or two points. Just a little bit higher than what it was. As for the... Again, at this point, resistances, it's still the same. I wish it had immunity at this point. This is where I wish it could absorb or just be immune to radiant damage. And as for what they're seeing, everything is the same, except for blind sight is now 60 feet. It's doubled its blind sight. Again, it knows where you are before you know it's there. And it's passive perception at 20. That, that can be a little scary. It's attacks, a little bit of a boost, nothing special other than that breath weapon again. It's now a 60-foot cone, and the DC is 17, 98, and it's 15 temporary hit points. But if you think about it, it's a, a, a CR 12. You should be about that much. However, now they have an addition. They can now do command and divination each once per day. So it gives that bit of an extra boost. And they also have bonus actions now. They can shape change, which we were just talking about. And they have something called the psychic step. Essentially, they can teleport to any unoccupied space within 20 feet. Just boop, there they are as a bonus action. So not an action, not movement. That's the bonus action, which can be a little scary. They pop up right beside you. You think that they're 20 feet away. They're not within reach of me. Then all of a sudden they just appear right beside you. Oh boy. That's just like super misty step, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Well, and that added on to their already big movement speeds. 
you yep. know, just adds to it, it not being part of a movement, but a bonus speech adds 20 feet to their bone or to their movement. Oh my gosh. They're burrowing underground and then all of a sudden appear right in front of you. Yeah. Just pop 20 feet up. Yeah. I like the idea of them flying 160 feet at you by dashing. Like they come at you and you're like, oh my God. And then bam, they're yeah. beside you. <laughs> hey guys, how you doing? Yeah. Now, the reason they're CR12 now is because of those bonus actions. Sure. But they now also have legendary actions as an adult dragon. They have three of these legendary actions. They can do a claw attack. Great. Yeah, sure. Fine. Or they can do psionics. And meaning you can use two of their legendary action points to either do the psionic step so they can do it again on someone else, end of someone else's turn or to get out of there. Or they can use uh, one of their spells. So they can still use their spells on someone else's turn. That's that's a little scary, especially if it's like a command. Mm-hmm. And, so, and it's going to be someone else's turn. Then all of a sudden, oh, hold on. I'm going to cast command on that person whose turn is next. And then last, this uses all three legendary actions is Starlight Strike. This dragon releases a searing beam of starlight at the at a creature that can it can see within sixty feet. It's a DC seventeen and it, and it is ninety six of radiant damage. Here's the fun thing about this: it doesn't say how it does it. It doesn't say it comes out of its mouth. It doesn't say where it comes out of. So you get a creative license of how this dragon is creating this starlight strike however oh, you, it thought, is. you thought this came from where the sun don't shine but let me tell you friend the sun shines <laughs> so you could be as creative as you want it could be it it slashes in the air and it suddenly is coming towards you like anime style or it could be it's just looking at you and it comes from its eyes or just it snaps its claws together and it appears above you it's it's pretty interesting and I love the idea that it's this other kind of ranged weapon that has not just its breath, but something else as well. I like that. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, butthole jokes aside, uh, the, you can get a Care Bear stare out of these guys, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, you got to think that they're infused with starlight, right? So it like glows from within them and so on and so forth. But they've also got these translucent scales. If they angle all of the scales just right, do you think that that's how they're able to shoot this beam out? It could very well like be. A, like a mirror of the starlights and yeah. can aim it. Yeah. I like that. Uh, that'd be an interesting set. You could see the scales actually shifting. Like mm. You can see them kind of raising up and kind of adjusting. Yeah. Do you guys notice what's missing? There's no tail attack. That's true. Mm. There is no tail attack. I'm curious to see if that's going to be true for the rest of the uh, gem dragons as well. If you look at the art on the the front of the book, because in the book we don't we just get like the wormling, um, but on the front of the book it looks like they almost have two tails or like like their tails sort of branches off. Yep. Um. So maybe it's just that their tail like doesn't have the strength of the other dragon's tails because they're more like wispy. Well, as I just feel like it would do slashing damage like a whip instead of bludgeoning. Mm-hmm. Right, like yeah. maybe less damage, but I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing that's missing that I I was kind of looking for, but I'm yeah. sure. Like, all right. Now I'm looking at the the wormling's tail. It's hard to see, but yeah, it has like two prongs that come off of it, where it's you like two. Whips. 
Do you think that would have come up somewhere in the lore of the description? Yeah, it wasn't in the description. I didn't notice that till like now. <laughs> and uh, that's that definitely going to be a It has a split over. tail. Yeah. All right. So let's roll to see uh, who answers the questions. Uh, sorry, what'd you get? 16. Jesus, Peps. 12. I, can't, I need to use this Dyson game some more. <laughs> I got a nine. All right. Keep, keep talking. So um i think at this point they are building their massive castles you know on the mountaintops that you can definitely see and are definitely like come I'm, here i'm sorry this is <laughs> this right now is is the most peppering of the massive castles the massive... <laughs> we love you pep so worry. thank you thank you um so i think you are going to them for quests at this point you've heard rumors of them um You've heard that they're fortune tellers. Your party wants to know what they're supposed to do. Maybe they have a quest or a series of quests that they don't know how it lines up. So they are seeking out this dragon for um, advice or insight on what to do. So I think your party is more so seeking them out at this stage than they are seeking you out. I like that. That's interesting. I think in this idea, it's trying to build its lair. But remember, it's cr trying to create a layer that's a bit more inviting. Mm -hmm. It's not meant to be full defense. So I took it from the standpoint of this dragon, it's having a lot of trouble finding inspiration to create its ice sculptures. So it's tasking you, it's hiring you to go out and find him inspiration of what my dragon ice sculptures should look like. And so now, however the party takes that, has to go out and try and find in this inspiration whether they're going to other dragons or drawing them who knows what and let's see how the crystal dragon likes their take on inspiration as compared to their own i'm sorry i got totally distracted by googling um crystal dragons yeah they have two tails they've always yeah. had two tails that's and it's not like there's i can't find anything about specific things that they get because of it like there's not like it's a double tail attack or anything but like yep two tails through all of the editions, apparently. Weird detail. Interesting. Anyways, what are we talking about? <laughs> Quests. <laughs> what are we doing? Who's this? Quests. Quests. Um, you are, you are uh, on a quest to determine why do they have two tails? <laughs> why do they have two tails? You hear about this mysterious dragon that has two tails up in the north. <laughs> so it's telling you two stories then, right? <laughs> um yeah you get no. there and it's literally two tails <laughs> we uh we got we have the layer now which means they're they're setting up um and that means they need to fill the layer with things that means that they've got a lot of treasure already because it's their power base um this is how they get to be an adult dragon um mm -hmm. because dragons powers are based on the size of their hordes um as we've learned in fizz bands so yep. size matters size matters um but we don't necessarily have everything that they absolutely need um for their layer yet like there are going to be some details like they've got a sure there's a there's a bridge there i mean you know they built the bridge themselves right that was a that was a thing that they had to do which means there's got to be a certain amount of setup for this um and some of the things that i think that they would rely on would be things like seeing stones um and 
I, have we just been really dumb about this and not thought about the fact that they would have a series of crystals lined up, um, maybe floating magically above them, and when they align, they can act like a telescope with the different ways that, that they're refracting light through them so they can look at stars and the heavens above? That's brilliant, actually, mm. yeah. Create a certain this crystal in a certain way that sort of acts like a lens. Yeah, I also... They're yeah, I was thinking the monocle as well. No, 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 but but really, that'd be yeah, that'd be the cap to the telescope. They and they, you know how um like people that appraise gems and whatnot and jewels have that like the multi lens um monocle. Yeah. Like I think these guys have one of these. So that <laughs> do you think maybe they're nearsighted too? In order to see the halfling, all the lenses got to come in, right? <laughs> and, um, just to be able to several see several monocles. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> but no, I think that they're they're definitely giving quests now to set up the layer to help them read the star charts. Um, and they may, I'm still going to lean into the chaos of it. When you finally get it back, they now have the final piece and they're able to pull the prank on the white dragon living next door. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> All right. So role-playing these guys, they are older now, but they are still chaotic. So how do we think they've settled into adulthood? for their personalities um yeah they're still like you said they're still chaotic so they are still pulling some pranks and having fun um like one of the ideas was um no work and i'll play are the words that i live by or something like that um but they are on the same side a little bit more mature especially with their stars and their fortunes that they're telling you i don't think that they would pull pranks on the star charts and the fortunes and the omens and prophecies that they see i think those will always be very straightforward um so you would get some pranks and some chaos but i think when it comes down to that that's when they're going to be like okay but all you know all fun aside i need you to listen to me (laughs) So you'll have a little bit of that fun, but then you'll get down to business uh, with what they need you to do. I like the idea that they might be at this point a little aloof. They've had their adventuring time of going out in the world. Now they're building their lair and they've even finished and now they can relax. They're still a jokester. Don't get me wrong. They'll still play pranks on the ice mountain next door to them, but they're more mature, as you said, and they just want to settle down in, in solace. They, they're seeking a place of their own that is away from everything. If people come visit them, sure, welcome them in. Let me take care of you while you're here. But as soon as they're gone, finally, I have some time to myself. These are these are your extroverted introverts. These are the ones who, when people are around, they love them. But as soon as they're gone, I can finally relax and gain some energy back. Mm-hmm. Honestly, at this point, I feel like we're starting to move away from the focus on chaos. We're starting to lean more into the ideas of um, neutrality. Yeah. Um, they're still not about law, right? Even though they're they're concerned with prophecies and omens and, and whatnot by looking at star charts and seeing the future, which is a sort of order in and of itself. But they're not really concerned with the mortal laws right that there are bigger things at play here um and if the red dragon is terrorizing the village down there what does it matter guys there was a comet last week right and so this is kind of where i think that we're gonna see um their attitudes shifting 
they're still going to enjoy a good joke or pun. Like you can see them studying the star charts and then somebody says something funny and they look up and grin before going back to it. Um, they still very much have a sense of humor. And if they're going to play pranks, it'll be fairly benign ones these days, or they will, you know, get get your party to come in and be like, all right, I have a new quest for you. I need you to go to the other side of the world where there is a council of liches. I need you to go and collect the thumbnails from every one of the liches. And then you watch everybody be like, what? Ah, I'm fucking with you. Just go kill the white dragon. That'd be, that, that's good. Right? Like, see, it doesn't seem so bad now, does it? All right. Well, off you go. White dragon. <laughs> like that. Start <laughs> Start big. Start big. <laughs> I do I do that when I buy something. I'm like, it was $50, but I got it on sale for 20. Yeah. (laughs) What was it? (laughs) I like that tactic. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Um, okay, so at this point, we're getting more into the regional effects and layer effects and all that that are happening. So it gives us a little bit more to play with for clues on them being near and the exploration side of these dragons. So how would you bump that up? Um, you would definitely see more crystals and more things like that all around as you're going what is a six mile radius within the layer um also it's a huge castle on top of a mountain so you're gonna see it you know the skies are clear um it's not necessarily hiding its castle at all so you'll know pretty quickly i think that you're in range of one of these guys you're going to see an ice castle on top of a mountain pretty easily from a pretty big distance um but you do have the clues of waking up with feeling really good you know i would definitely give your players that like you just feel really amazing this is the best night. like even if you're camping on the ground in the snow like this is the best rest you've ever had <laughs> and leading into that sort of thing and just finding pretty little shiny crystals everywhere as you're leading up to that but you're gonna see the castle for sure like it's just there <laughs> I think something else that they're really going to notice is the sudden increase of wildlife. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's an abnormally large amount of deer here. There is a lot more hunting that can be had here. We're not going to starve. There's a lot of animals here that we can feed off of. And so I think that's one thing that if the players are exploring their environment around they're going to notice the crystals absolutely and the the big ass castle oh heck yeah they're going to notice that but are they going to notice the other things around them and remember not all wildlife is necessarily tame so something to think about i i I agree there's going to be more hunting and whatnot but do you think the crystal dragon is going to be aware of the fact that some of its animal population is getting picked off by the ranger like is that going to trigger and not necessarily a, a confrontation but a visit from the crystal dragon no it's going to talk to them telepathy through the crystals that are in nearby. the mechanic of that it says that you get advantage on any hunting or fishing or trapping um in that area sure you have advantage but it's so, this about whether or not you could. yeah it, it's about whether or not you should right yeah. so yeah. i think it would be an occasion i don't know if that's neutral nature i think it would understand that that's part of life I think what it would more so be is it's not mad at you. Mm-hmm. It now knows you're there and it wants to talk to you. Hey, can I do anything for you? How are you guys doing? The question is, are the animals part of its horde? 
Oh, I don't think so. He doesn't say that specifically anywhere, but the thriving wildlife makes me raise an eyebrow at it. I would, I would allow that, right? Like, I think that's a that's something neat and different. We've seen mm -hmm. dragons collect minions, but I, I think that just collecting animals might be might be something yeah. that they're interested in, they're curious about, right? See, or then maybe you would they get into like with the black dragon, they have. Um, a similar sort of layer or regional effect, but with plants where plants grow plentifully. So do those plants then become part of their horde? I think you would have to get into that sort of. I think it goes situation. comes down to if I were to allow that, it would be not all the animals. It'd be specific ones that he has chosen. Maybe he's put a crystal on top of their head or maybe like a necklace around them. And that's going to entice your players to want to go after them. You know, it's it's probably the fish because they they gleam and shine. Oh right? yeah, rainbow trout. <laughs> yeah, or uh, knucklehead trout because we get. Oh the, yeah, you're right, knucklehead. Yeah. All right. So with combat, how are we seeing combat going down with these guys? Um, it's funny that their dex is so low. It's the lowest stat like throughout most of their stat blocks, the but big. they can move so much. <laughs> You well, know, like they have four different speeds and now this enhanced Misty step that lets them go even further. So I think a lot of combat is like we've said, they're not going to go to the death. They'll protect their thing and then they're going to move. They're going to move out of there. Yeah. When it comes to decks, I've noticed this, especially with the high CR creatures. Um, Wizards of the Coast doesn't like to give high decks uh unless they're particularly stealthy or very 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 wiggly um but these guys are they go invisible they're not seen very well they're camouflaged from a young age they I are very stealthy. i think it's more so their size mm -hmm. there's a lot of them to hit yes they can move but there's a lot of them that you can hit and now whether you actually do get past the scales or not is another question but there's a lot of them that you can hit. Yeah. I Yeah. I also think that while they have these huge bonuses to stealth and whatnot, these are not, when I say stealth, uh, I don't mean camouflage stealth. I mean the displacer beast level of stealth, like stalking through the treetops at you, um, kind of like a, like a skulk. Um, there are definitely creatures that are based around dexterity, also very small creatures. And I think it's what it comes down to. The bigger you are, the less dexterous that you're, you're just not able to avoid attacks the same. Um, I also think that they it's a mechanical balance thing. How many spells require deck saves to get past? And they already have a huge constitution, right? And a huge charisma. So they're able to shrug off a lot of uh, a lot of spells that are thrown at them. They've got to have a weakness somewhere, and dex is it. Oh, yeah. All right. So that now brings us to their final age, Ancient. Well, the Ancient Dragon is... A little underwhelming. It's a CR 19. I mean, we're used to seeing some ancient dragons get up to a CR 23. Um, CR 19 is small. It is the lowest uh, CR for an ancient gem dragon. Um, they got an AC of 20, which is a bump up from 16. So that's good. But by the time you're in tier four, you're able to get past that. No problem. Uh, they've got 12 D20 plus 96 hit points uh, for 222 total. It always annoys me to see D20s and hit point stat blocks because there's such a wide swing between a 1 and a 20 as opposed to a 1 and a 12. I don't know why they wouldn't just do like like a 16 D8, right? Like that'll, that'll get them close enough. 
Um, anyway, strength and con skyrocket again. Uh, they're up to a plus seven and a plus eight, um, respectively. Their mental stats get smaller bumps. Deck stays the same because just because you're bigger doesn't mean you're more wiggly. Um, the skills and saves all go up mechanically, but they don't get anything new there. Speed, damage resistances, language, and the range of their senses all stay the same. But it is worth noting that the passive perception is now 25, um, which means you're not sneaking up. I mean, the rogue is because the rogue is naturally is a stealth of go fuck yourself. But like everybody else is uh, is going to have I trouble. I see you. Yeah. Um, the spells they get now are greater restoration and visibility on top of the rest of them, which is good. Um, invisibility to me, like I like it, but why, why, why do they need it this late in the game? I just don't, I don't think they need it. I don't think they'll use it. Um, I wish it was greater invisibility. Yeah, that would make a little bit more sense, but, um, their attack damages increase pitiful amounts. They go from like a d8 to 2d6 on their claws i mean sure if you're relying on claws like the multi-attack is all well and good but you shouldn't be relying on multi-attack for an ancient dragon in the first place it's you're breath doing weapon it wrong. yeah you, you just it's breath weapon layer actions and, and environment this is what you need um so sure why the fuck not um the uh save dc on the breath weapon jumps from 17 to 22 so that's more fun I like that. And the fact that it's a constitution save and not a deck save is fun as well. Um, and now they regain 25 temporary hit points instead of the 15 that the adult did. So that's a decent jump. Um, that means that they are effectively, I mean, I know this isn't true, but they're effectively healing um, 25 temporary hit points on top of that. Uh, um, the fact that they can have like greater restoration and whatnot as well. Um, and they are just these battles are going to last longer because they are consistently healing up those 10 hit points. It's like they're getting a shield that regenerates every round. And that it, that's going to make these long combats that might get a little bit tedious. Yes, but if you're that uh, if you're at CR 19, if they're like tier 4, how hard are your characters hitting though? Is the 25 regaining back really going to make much of a difference if you guys are hitting for 80, 90 damage? It is by round four because you've just, well, they're not hitting for 80 or 90 damage because you've thrown minions out. You've thrown uh, uh, multiple encounters to get up to this point. So yeah. they've saved their big spells, but they all have one. And your barbarian and your fighter are still doing 70 damage if they can hit. And you should not be in any position to be hit as a dragon, exactly. right? So your melee heavy hitters are all well and good, but they're not doing a, a crazy amount. You've got the high con, which is going to be able to shrug off a bunch of shit like um, like uh, disintegrate, right? Um, forget what what finger of death is, but that's another one. I think that's con um, because you're going to come at this with necrotic, right? Not not radiant. Um, that's true. So. Everything else is the same. Layer actions, regional effects, legendary actions. The legendary action, um, what is it? The Starlight Strike um, does a little bit more radiant damage and has a DC 19 deck save now, but it's it's essentially the same. Honestly, 11 D6 radiant damage sounds scary, but it's really 38. And at tier four, that's nothing, right? You're relying on the fact that this is going to be dragged out and the... Crystal Dragon is going to try to talk its way out of this. Is it the is the range bet bigger or it's no it's sixty feet okay. like it's not it's not wild. Um, 
it's it beats the the claw attacks right or the um the tail attack that other dragons get but i would honestly be looking at my spell casting more than starlight strike on this um i think i can do more damage to a party by using command than i can sure. um doing radiant damage especially if you have minions yeah and if i'm relying on starlight strike uh to do this radiant damage again i'm probably playing this wrong in combat um page 34 of Fizzbands gives you a whole bunch of alternative things you can add to your dragons we've talked about how we would always add chain shape um to it all of the time um we already get a bunch of special uh, special senses and it's already a tunneler but i would really play with the idea of flyby for this guy would he be a flyby guy he, yes and uh and you would do it at night so it would be a flyby night kind of operation um However, I don't think that mimicry really lines up. They are practical jokers, so maybe, but that really does feel more copper dragonborn than anything else. And um, and the rejuvenation um, is neat, but I, I wouldn't. It thematically doesn't necessarily fit here. So no. it's really flyby that I would uh, have, which is going to uh, make it so that it doesn't provoke opportunity attacks uh, when it flies out of reach of one of the players, which is good. But again, you're not really, uh, you're going to extend it by a round. And this dragon should flee. Mm -hmm. Honestly, my favorite uh, my favorite tactic for these guys, for the ancient dragons as well, we mentioned this earlier in the episode, is going to be opening up the ground beneath them to separate the party. Agreed. So if I can do that and and get rid of the ranger and the spellcaster so that I've got just a monk and a... Uh, barbarian to worry about yeah i can do that i can hover up here and just recharge 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 all right you guys are toast and then with a the flyby attack as well yeah there's, there's nothing to worry about here um cr19 is not super powerful but it all comes down to your environment and your tactics so that's that's the ancient all right well let's roll for some questions 19 there you go i got a 15 <laughs> i got a 10 there we are <laughs> all double digits all right, <laughs> we're ending with a bang, guys. <laughs> um, so quests, how would you approach quests with an ancient? Um, this is going to be your, th this is your, your planar view. And here's the thing I think that we get wrong sometimes when we think about, I mean the community in general, I mean the podcast, but like when we think about different quests at different levels, you can have an ancient crystal dragon handing out quests to a level two party. Exactly. Right. So the idea that, hey, I have seen the end of the world. This is the this is the nature. And you can do it right from the beginning. Hey, uh, session one at the very beginning, you need to go to Baldur's Gate and find out what happened because a whole city went missing. And now off they go to do Descent into Avernus, right? Like you can send them, um, hey, hey, head down to Icewind Dale. I need you to go check in on this. There's a blizzard that's not letting up, and I don't know why, right? Um, I need clear skies again. So it can be a real quest giver from a very, very early part of the campaign. Um, and I think that because it it is big picture and it sees big picture with the stars and whatnot, you have a reason to go to Chult for Tomb of Annihilation because it knows something is wrong. Uh, you need to get into Undermountain and figure out what's happening. Make sure that this faction is not in control of Waterdeep. Off you go, right? And 
there's just a lot of opportunity with an ancient crystal dragon um, to kind of see the future and say, when you're done, come back and find me. I'll have something else for you. And then you can spiral out into into planar nonsense from there so yeah i think you could even get into um like the multiverse with this because at ancient like you know we said before at this point they would be aware of other planes and other versions of itself and maybe even be in communication with those versions of itself um and you could set up a whole campaign based at this level where I was talking to myself at this other plane and they need you. So I need you to find a portal to get there and I need you to do this. Um, And it could lay out a whole thing and you could really explore quite a bit just based on the stars that it's seen or the other version of itself has seen and what where your party places in that. I love the idea that these guys are your your main quest giver at the beginning of the campaign. I really like that idea because it shouldn't be oh a, a, a young dragon's giving you a quest. It can be that, but I like the idea of an ancient dragon and you're just freaked out that this is the thing that's in front of you and it gives you a quest. Mm-hmm. But I also like the idea of what if you're not getting a big quest from them? What if they're just looking for something, just something nice and simple? And in fact, they're an ancient crystal dragon. They have been a bit of a jokester. What if they're looking for something new to make them laugh, to make them laugh like what they used to, but they've seen everything already. So they're looking for something new because, and this kind of retains a little bit of that chaotic nature that they used to have, that kind of prankster-ish. They're looking for something that's just funny that they haven't seen before, just to give a bit of a side quest. I also like the idea of them shrugging and saying, I don't know why the stars said you've got to do it. Mm-hmm. I just listened to the stars. <laughs> exactly. All right, what about role playing? How would you role play an ancient? The very first thing they do when they land in front of you is they narrow their eyes. They get their monocle lenses to all focus on you. <laughs> and they give you the kind of nod like, hey, what's your sign? <laughs> I like it. I see these as like... <laughs> They're like that old person in the um, like nursing home that's just very bored and like has experienced everything. And so they'll their pranks are like your grandpa's pranks, you know. They're the hey kid, hey kid, come pull my finger, <laughs> you know. <laughs> they're just the simple little like <laughs> grandpa's pranks that they're playing on you. But they're also very wise, like you know they're very wise and they know so much so you listen so intently and you don't think they're gonna play a prank on you and you're like yeah okay and you just do it (laughs) you do it anyways you think they'll have really lazy jokes too like it's all just dad jokes but it's it's the ones you've heard a thousand times like the high hungry i'm dad level Uh shit like that's what you're getting out of this out of this ancient dragon I would think so, but at the same time, they've been around the block. They're they're not senile. Mm-mm. They're still very actually one of the highest stats is intelligence. They're very smart. But I think yeah. that that their focus is elsewhere. I know for myself, like I'm I'm starting to push 40 now. And like I am looking at TikTok trends, and there's a there's a top 100 best pop artists video I ran across, and I'm like I don't know any of you anymore, and I used to know this shit. Yeah, um, and it's not that I am any dumber about music; it's just that I don't give a shit. My priorities are elsewhere, right. and mm-hmm. I can't spend from three to seven o'clock 
every night searching YouTube or listen to listen to music. I got a job. I have to go shopping. There are bills to pay. I have other things. So I think an ancient dragon is is very much the same, or an ancient crystal dragon anyway, is very much the same. Like I have bigger shit to do. So these jokes and stuff are stuff that I it's the same jokes that I had when I was a young dragon or an adult dragon. And they I, just, yeah. Yeah, I, my, I think they're just oh, making oh, themselves laugh at this point. Yeah. Like they're just entertaining themselves. Like they don't care if you find it funny, they find it funny. I think what it is too, when I think of these crystal dragons, I imagine them, I, I'm going to the positive side again. Remember, they're from the positive plane, the most positive dragons. I think of them like as a jolly old grandpa. Mm-hmm. Like the the one that you love hanging around because they're always so happy. They're encouraging. Uh, I, I that's how I envision. It. He's mm-hmm. he's like the Santa of dragons. Yeah, they give you a hard candy and ask you to pull your finger. That's. <laughs> I wonder. It's been a while. I would have to go back and look, but I wonder if these guys line up with Tom Bombadil, right? Ooh. Because he's got a real like philosophy about the world and whether or not to get involved in shit and. He's very chaotic neutral. Yes. Oh my gosh, he's so, so true. <laughs> like, is that a is that a decent? Ver- I mean, not all the singing and not all the gardening and shit, but like the overall perspective of a of an ancient crystal dragon. I would have to I'd have to sit down and really pour through um, fellowship again. But I think that might be interesting. Yeah, I agree. All right. What about exploration and clues? Do we see anything changing really with that from adult? Um, honestly, I'm still looking at the regional effects and whatnot as a, as a general rule. Um, I think their layers are more, um, lived in, if that makes sense. Like everything has a purpose and everything is in its place. Um, do do you think they're still collecting hordes? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, every dragon collects hordes. I think it's more selective. And like... In their lore, they don't really care about the the price of things or how valuable it is. It's just how pretty they think it is. Well, um, I I, I kind of skipped over the connections for the ancient crystal dragon because it's a D four, and I kind of hate all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a community of seal hunters that reveres an ancient crystal dragon as the spirit of their glacier home. Um, such worship amuses and flatters a dragon who keeps the hunter safe. That is boring as all hell. A, yeah, the, the an ancient the crystal dragon is stalked by a villainous ranger who has already claimed a dozen draconic trophies. So there's a dragon hunter hunting a dragon. Like it doesn't have anything to do with the crystal dragon, right? So there's not a whole lot of shit in there. There's a conflict with dwarves over quartz. Really? Mm-hmm. That's what we came up with. <laughs> For an ancient. Yeah. So like uh, it doesn't feel a whole lot like uh another one is he's up against whalers who are hunting mm-hmm. whales and they're come on so i'm not i'm not inspired about the horde or about any large purpose out there it's all like local shit they're getting into and i just feel like the lore about ancient or crystal dragons in the first place is so much wider in scope and bigger this feels like it was handed off to an intern to write yeah, it's it's beyond them. It's to do with the future. It's to do with what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. It is interesting to show though that um, that there are interactions between a, a crystal dragon and different like Arctic tribes as well. So I feel like by the time that you hit ancient, all right. So here's my exploration bit. By the time you hit ancient, people know it. People have interacted with it, and you can get stories about it. 
This is not a reclusive bronze dragon or a terrifying blue dragon that that is showing you their might and power. Now, people have had a conversation with this one. Mm -hmm. And when you are on a quest to go find the crystal dragon, people will be like, oh, follow the crystal path. It's here. You start at this day and you follow at every time that the sun, you know, hits the horizon, which is, you know, there are three hour days because it's the Arctic, right? So you have two points of the day where the um, the landscape is going to glitter in a certain way and you got to follow it. And that would be how you find the crystal dragon, right? Like, follow the crystal brick road. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And then the crystals just start talking to you if you go the wrong direction. They're like, no, no, come this way. <laughs> you went left. Here. You're supposed to go right. The arrow said go right. <laughs> but he, no, no, no. He's he, he's telling you the wrong direction is to play a prank on you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I moved that sign. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the clues there, there's going to be a ton of clues. You're going to know there's going to be a ton of clues. I like the idea of like big air, like big crystal arrows, like this way, <laughs> like this, the sun or the starlight hits them in the right time of day or night. And it's a big arrow crystal pointing that direction. And then you look and there's a huge castle. Um, you're going to, you're going to know they're there for sure at this point. Yeah, they're an ancient dragon. You know they're there. And that, mm -hmm. that's my exploration is, you know. You know they're there. It's, it's not a, oh, I wonder what's over here. No, if you don't know, then someone will tell you and mm -hmm. then you'll know. I think everybody in that area is just like very hospitable also. Like you don't yes. come across anybody who's angry. Ever. Well, I, th I think also... <laughs> There are going to be towns like around set up around this dragon merely because they get a really good sleep. Mm -hmm. And not just that, but they also get to know a little bit about the future too. Like mm -hmm. every so often the, the, when there is no moon or sorry, when there's a full moon, so it can't see the stars too clearly. It'll come down and say what it's learned over the last month. There's going to be a crystal in every person's house that he can communicate with them. Oh, yeah. You know what? Absolutely. So mm -hmm. it occurred to me as well that I think it'll be really flavorful. You know how there's no ceiling? There's no roof on this layer. It's open air. And it's at the top of this, this spire, essentially. What if it was um, a lighthouse? It has this scintillating breath. So what if you were to get a giant like prism and... Air it recharges its breath on a five or six, which means every 24 to 60 seconds in theory, it gets to blast its breath weapon into this prism, which shoots up into the sky as a beacon. Um, and this is how it communicates not only with other crystal dragons, but what if it, it it's actually communication? It's not quite Morse code. What it's doing is it's mimicking the twinkling of a specific star. And be interesting. by doing that, is that how it is communicating with the other versions of itself out there in the multiverse? What if he was also, what if it's, that's the explanation in, in the fantasy realm for the Aurora Borealis? He's uh, creating it. Uh, different crystal dragons are, are blowing into these different prisms that have to be carved just correctly. And the patterns that flow are their own personal signatures on how exactly mm -hmm. that's how they're communicating with each other through the, <laughs> and, the and multiverse the, and the divination wizards are pissed stop fucking around we just spent <laughs> six and a half generations <laughs> on a goddamn knock knock joke trying to figure out what you were saying <laughs> do you know how long we've been looking for a dick for <laughs> 
All right. So we talked quite a bit about combat when we were going over the stats. Is there anything else you guys would add to that? No, I, these guys are non-combatants, right? Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's very much just using the mechanics of getting around and being smart about that. I think it would just be using um, its lair and the yeah. regional effects. That's all it would be using. He doesn't. It's he doesn't need to attack you. Yeah. He doesn't need to attack you directly to make you suffer and see the error of your ways. If yeah. if if I'm going to be honest, there's the beguiling whisper layer action, which means that you know it's going to do yeah. what you want to the best of its ability. You have command and you have hypnotic pattern, and both of those can be used during legendary actions as well. Which means it has the ability to disarm you or make you lay down prone or take take your armor off. Right. Or, or so, how about walk? How about walk off the? Uh, just just walk off the bridge. Well, it, with command. Well, command's not going to let you harm yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't, but neither you're is not phys- the you're not, you're not physically harming yourself. You're just walking. No, but it's it's the same idea that. Oh, okay, I guess you know what will happen. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it would allow that. Yeah, sorry, I'm just looking up the uh, specifics for that right now. I mean, it could essentially make you walk and then open up its passage underneath you once you hit the right spot yeah everybody everybody stand over here yeah stay Uh still yeah at that point you wouldn't know that you're in harm you're just standing in a spot so the way that command works is you essentially get um a very simple uh word like approach drop flee grovel or halt Mm -hmm. right so it could be something like disrobe right so that you're pulling your armor off and stuff like that so your ac drops or dance or cry or like whatever it is something very very simple flea is not going to have them um go off the yeah it's just going to make them run away yeah Mm -hmm. so so it's their the command is that they're compelled to do something specific um, but it's being compelled to, it's not mind control, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, fair enough. Um, I do like drop a target drops whatever it's holding and then ends its turn. That's powerful, right? That magical so, weapon you had in your hand, no longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the ground opens up and swallows the weapon. Well, that's a quick way to piss off your players. <laughs> and now it's in their horde. Or how about it just closes up? You can see it six feet down, you know it's there, but you have to you can't get to it. Um so before we wrap up this episode, let's cut to our last ad break. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit at r slash it's a mimic. Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes, and comments. Engagement like that helps us pop up on search engines and keep this show running. So this episode has gone really long with uh, with our own personal great dialogue. Um, this is a monstrously massive episode, um, but I feel like we saw a lot of different conflicting points of view when it comes to the crystal dragon, if you're gonna sum it up in one word or one phrase, what's the what's the aspect of this that you lean into that's gonna make this dragon different from the others? I would say where it is focused in the sense of it is not focusing on harming. It's very it's the epitome of the positive plane. Mm-hmm. It wants to help and it wants to be there. It's a jokester, but it's there for good. Or yeah. 
I would lean into the omens, the prophecies, um, the star maps and all of that. Uh, I think they are fantastic quest givers and I would use them very heavily for that. I'm also really going to lean into the personality. And I think that every one of them can be a little bit different, but this doesn't feel necessarily like an absent-minded professor, but like the diviner that sees through people and beyond the current conversation. Uh, a little bit distracted, um, but still funny, still quirky, still like very focused on what's directly in front of them, but you can pull their focus if the joke is funny enough, right? And it's not enough to be like, oh, hey, the bard is juggling who gives a shit, right? It's more like um, the barbarian just pantsed the druid. Okay, now you've got the dragon's like attention for about 35 seconds before he goes back to his star charts. Mm -hmm. But I, man, did we see an evolution between the wormling all the way up to the ancient, right? Oh, we absolutely. Did, did get a sense of almost four different stages of life in ways that we haven't necessarily gotten in other um, chromatic and metallic dragons. I hope we get to see that kind of evolution again with the other gem dragons. And, uh, and I really, really hope that their D4 ancient dragon connections tables are a little bit better. Than <laughs> a little better, yeah. <laughs> One can hope. So that's all for our discussion on crystal dragons. Make sure that you subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be embracing the likes of Bucky Barnes, Dick Grayson, and Coffee Bitch Dave. You know, sidekicks. Sidekicks. During this, I had a coffee delivered to me from my brother-in-law, my very own coffee bitch, Dave. <laughs> is, is his name Dave? Oh, uh, no. It <laughs> Unfortunately. Can it can be. We can change it. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com, a store with some It's a Mimic merch, and a Patreon. This episode and others can also be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and most other podcast apps. Thank you again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits. And don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. Peps, you muted. I clicked the wrong thing. I accidentally muted you, Peps. I'm sorry. <laughs> How long was I muted? <laughs> now you're muted. My life is falling apart. <laughs> Why are you still here? Leave already. <laughs>